Hello, and welcome to... Well, I mean, it's not Anime Countdown. It's not Otaku in Training. I suppose we're just calling this our seasonal chatter for now. Uh, I am your host, LB. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, CT. Evening, folks. So, this is something that... This is a format that we have been wanting to do for a while we both watch a lot of seasonal anime every three months we've been wanting to have a way to talk about them talk about our thoughts on the various series that we watch each season and finally remembered hey we have a podcast so the hell you say so with that in mind the format that we are going with is that we are not just going to be discussing the first three episodes of every series. We watched up to the fourth episode of every series. Because lately I've noticed, at least I've noticed, that the three episode rule doesn't really work as much anymore. With three episodes, it's kind of standard for the first three episodes to kind of get us up to the first plot twist. But then the fourth episode is where the series kind of settles down and sh- and shows us what the main story is going to be uh, from that point going forward. So yeah, so we went ahead, we watched the first four episodes of as many different series as we could. We have almost 30 to discuss. Yay. Um... <laughs> So yeah, but before we get into that, I just want to go ahead and say a quick mention that this is our first new episode that will be going up on YouTube amongst all the backlog that I've been uploading. So if you're discovering us on YouTube for the first time, welcome. I hope you'll check out a few other episodes and don't forget to hit that subscribe button because yeah that would be awesome getting into the actual main show before we start breaking down each individual series that we watch ct i'm kind of curious overall impressions of this season do you think that based on what you saw this was a good season average season bad season what are you how are you feeling about the series about the season like overall based on the first month certainly not a bad season i'm not sure i might give it above average it didn't have anything that loomed larger than life in uh omg i've been waiting forever for this as we've kind of had uh in previous seasons last year almost every season had something that you know i'd been jittering for years to uh to show up on air or wanting to return then there were also you know like giant possibly new tentpole shows that would show up or a surprising out of nowhere show like bochi the rock was last season so that kind of is what elevates a season for me is the things I've really been looking forward to or getting very pleasantly surprised by one or two things. Uh, So overall, this feels average above average uh, with some strong showings and probably some things that I should catch up with so that I can continue like Vinland Saga. But, uh, but unfortunately that feels like the biggest thing that a lot of people were waiting for. I just, 
never got through all of season one. So I, I can't feel that joy going in. Yeah, I don't feel too bad about that. I didn't get through season one either. I need to. I want to. Right. I just haven't. So what? Uh, where do you fall on the overall quality? And I guess I mean, on I the would... number of shows you're planning on completing the season with compared to other seasons. I would say this series, this season is pretty average. It's not, I wouldn't call it above or below average. It's pretty standard. Um, I have a number of shows that I would like to continue with. However, I, and as we're discussing them, I will point out which ones are which, but there are already a few shows that I want to continue with, but they are on thin ice <laughs> and it could take, and it could just be one or two bad episodes in a row that makes me want to put them aside and stall them for later. I ha- I do have a number of shows that I do want to continue with, but like I said, the number of shows that I want to continue with and the number of shows that I actually will continue with all the way through to the end of the season are two different things. That, that is for sure. Uh, there are a lot of seasons in recent years where I have expectations of completing something, but I miss a week. I'm too busy. I'm like, I don't have time for it this time. Then the couple weeks after i'm like oh god i don't want to catch up on three episodes to get up with it right now i'm like then i realized two seasons later i never finished that show and maybe i'll get around to it at some point but yeah uh, that that happens probably more often than it should 2017 and 2018 were my strongest years where i committed to anywhere between 20 and 30 shows i don't think i can really do that no more (laughs) Uh, because we're pursuing this i'm actually watching a lot more than i have in the past few years uh for this season and we'll we'll see if that kicks up something but uh it's uh it's the kind of thing where you know i can't drum up enough extra time just for the anime watching and oddly i'm a this is a very personal thing that is frustrating me but because of the changes after uh, Sony purchased Crunchyroll and everyone's been merging and all the other stuff, the syndrome which made me hate Netflix and Amazon, which is to say the apps would not save pictures for it. They're using the HDCP image protection or whatever it is. But the usual big clients... We didn't see that in Funimation or High Dive or Crunchyroll, and now I'm I'm pretty sure I, I forget High Dive if High Dive does it or not. But almost everything at this point is hiding my ability to screenshot, and that's one of the ways that I enjoy a show is while I'm watching it, I take a few shots and then I post them in the channels and chat about it. So it, it's all the way annoying to me that I can't do that conveniently anymore, and now I'd have to put everything through uh, pirating the anime so that I can actually take screenshots. And it's always just extra extra marketing for them, if anything. If you share stuff on social media, you're literally doing free advertising for their show. I do not get 
why these uh, places block screenshots. You are not protecting the media. It's all instantly pirated. You are just being annoying. <laughs> and I guess it's a license forcing from the from the people. But honestly, why? Why? Ah, okay, rant over. No, it's all good. I could hear you shaking your fist from here. Jiffing tool doesn't even work on Windows. Ah! Sorry. It's all Ran good. Ran rant wasn't quite over. Uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to jump into our discussion. We're going to take it show by show. We're going to go in order of broadcast premiere. Which means we are going to start with Ningen Fushin and end with Fire Hunter. That's and hit as many shows in between as we can. Some shows I watched only, some shows CT watched only, some shows we both watched. If you are noticing along the way that we have skipped your favorite show and neither one of us watched it, please know that it was a personal slight against you and we mean it entirely personally. Absolutely. But otherwise, you know, we got through as many shows as we could over the last month. Uh, so, all right, let's go ahead. Let's jump into the first show. This is the show that we both watch, Ningen Fushin, or if we want to go by the full title, Ningen Fushin, Adventurers Who Don't Believe in Humanity Will Save the World. This was the first show that premiered this season. It's fantasy series where... It's not an isekai, that, so that was a point in its favor right away. <laughs> this is a show that opens the first episode with four jaded adventurers just randomly running into each other at a bar after they've all been either fired from their party or just been wronged by people in their lives that they trusted and deciding that because they all hate people equally, they're going to work together and put their powers to good use. In the end, this is one that I am stalling on. I may watch it later, but these first four episodes, they were, they were okay. It was very standard. Um, I didn't have a lot of notes about how much... I didn't have a lot of notes about the series being particularly funny or particularly memorable. I do like that they spent some time in episode three really building up the relationships between the characters. Um, I really liked that they went out of their way to have the characters sit down and be like, okay, you know what? These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. I'm telling you this so that as a sign of trust and friendship, I liked that aspect. But other than that, yeah, I mean, there just wasn't a lot here that really impressed me. Um, how were you? Did you feel differently? Um, you didn't really make a note on if you plan on continuing this or not. Yeah, I didn't have time. I'll probably decide while we're busy chatting about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was amused. There are certain aspects of this that I appreciate because it's less of the fantasy world is a video game and more of the 
this fantasy world is more like a pencil and paper RPG. So the everyone randomly meeting, like having no connection and meeting in the inn is such a, oh, we don't know how to get all of your level one guys together. So you're all in this inn <laughs> and something happens. In this case, it was amusing because uh, we're, we're following them in with this uh, main character, Nick. Uh, and the other three just sort of show up at the table. He kind of thinks they are a party already because they're all together. In this case, they were all together separately. Just you loners have to share a table because we're out of space. Uh, but all of them slam their beers down in sort of a uh, semi-drunken haze and uh, declare that nobody can be trusted. Uh, which was an amusing way to uh, get them. There, there's no fireball that tears off the roof. There's no call to action that pulls them all out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> it, it's the, the titular setup right there, and more will be revealed. I think the biggest flaw in the setup is that they very quickly roll through it, and while episode two, for instance, they're doing a simple dungeon delve, it, it, it's very much a video game form of uh, we become party and register, we do quests now assigned by, by the quest giver. So it yeah, would be nice yeah. if places try to get steer a little bit away from that. But uh, we're going to see that a bunch, in fact, in the. Uh, in in these comings but uh so episode two tries to play up the grr these people don't trust each other but then by the end you know you have one of the characters who's firmly declaring that she wants to trust people and the other ones they have had that conversation as you say where they're coming to terms they're trying to be straightforward and chat about what they can do and what they can offer which, again, it's very much a pencil and paper thing. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of times you just have, you know, when everyone is starting an adventure, they've all seen each other's character sheets, and probably everyone kind of knows what every one represents from being a low-level D&D character or something to that degree. But oftentimes you'll get someone who joins later on, and one of the it's a weird conversation to have in pencil and paper adventuring, but you gotta have it. It's like, here is what my character can do. And trying to steer people by way of, I would appreciate it if you cast bonfire on that thing and I can knock an enemy into it with my shield bash. Where, <laughs> where it's not at all seamless uh, and people understanding and knowing each other, but I have to explain mechanics to you now in a role-playing fashion, and it's hard. <laughs> so the yeah, fact that they're fumbling yeah. around in that is fine. Uh, the wizard has an appropriately anime witch hat. Uh, <laughs> she has so much hat. I think she's not quite as hat as some of the other series, but that there's an impressive amount of witch hat there. But yeah, they, I think the biggest flaw is they're kind of getting over it fairly immediately. So you have the disillusion adventures will save the world, but 
in a way, it's just, you know, a marketing lie because it lasts for one and a half episodes and then they're kind of all getting along and really wanting to trust each other and then acquiring an ancient artifact that's called, like, the Blade of Bonds, wherein they can now... Uh, yeah, the Sword of Bonds. The Sword I of Bonds. A... Where... Yeah, I took a note about that in episode of episode four. It was just like, uh-huh, right. Which and is, then the labyrinth giving off weird sci-fi vibes, which and, was well, sure, high fantasy, man. It it's got to also have like laser beams and stuff like yeah, that. yeah, mecha. <laughs> it did, I need mecha in my fantasy, but uh, so that that I think is the one reason that I might continue one or two more is the sword that they come across that. In one way, it reveals a bad thing about the series where they're really not imaginative with magic. They have their two casters and she's like, I'll freeze it. And he's like, I'll heal you and I'll freeze the enemy. I'll heal you. And I'm like, cast other spell. <laughs> I don't know what level you guys are. <laughs> cast other spell. I appreciated that she actually had like detect magic. This is such a, an RPG staple uh when you when you're playing uh with other characters detect magic all the time and i almost never see it represented in the animu uh which was nice but then she could just throw ice daggers and freeze the thing i'm like i know i know you're good at ice but you also said you were good at wind and lightning and other stuff and literally you tried nothing be better <laughs> magic uh but then uh the the other two get to use the fancy artifact and come by and by by our powers come by and then they get that way because of you know them not being disillusioned as much anymore and trusting each other. So I'm curious what the next union forms would be. Uh, I'm I'm less interested in what they're doing because there's a narrator voice that says these people will save the world. That part isn't a lie. You're told by the uh, omniscient narrator that they do save the world, and this is where it starts. So they have a a big destiny ahead of them, but who knows how long it'll go. There's four light novels, and it's still continuing, so I imagine it's probably got a, a bunch more light novels to go. Uh, but I'd, I'd be interested to see what they do with the other union forms, who is allowed to merge, and then what the end result is. Uh, which is the 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 only unique thing is the fact that they they get this sword and now it's a sentient walking kid with them as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but honestly, yeah. I mean, like I said, I may someday come back to this one, but I have to admit that by the time the second half of episode four rolled around, I was already kind of tuning out i just I, I was having a hard time paying attention past that point <laughs> well yeah. that's when they were casting the boring magic needed yeah magic. yeah but they but they had a character growth moment and now they trust each other implicitly and can combine an, into a super dragon deity i don't know fly around glow have golden armor explode things hmm. i don't know there's there's some amusing possibilities in it but i don't uh, have high expectations either 
Yeah, if you end up, if you do end up continuing this all the way to the end, let me know if I if it's something that I should absolutely go back for. I don't suspect it is, but I don't suspect it is. Um, moving along, our second series. This is another one that we both watched. Um, the proper name for this series is the Ice Guy and His Cool Female Colleague. I've been referring to this series as Iceman and Kudere. <laughs> sure. Because, um, yeah, that's basically what it is. It's, it's a guy who works at an office, descended from the, you know, legendary Yukiona. Um, so he causes things to freeze, like, all the time whenever he has the slightest negative emotion or even positive emotion really as long <laughs> as he's feeling something strongly ice and wind starts to happen to be okay let me first off say i did really enjoy this series um the first four episodes were very good in my opinion i really liked the presentation the animation was beautiful the characters it was nice to have a series, a romance series, where people are not constantly, like, shouting at each other. Mm. And, like, being really... I, I love a good Sundere, but you know what? Kuderes are pretty cool, too. So I really appreciated that. It was just very chill, very laid back. Really enjoyed that. My very first note was talking about how much I loved the animation within three minutes and then within 11 minutes i was already in love with the characters <laughs> so this was one that i really really enjoyed thinking back on it though i am wondering it's a little like how do the logistics work of a guy who works in an office around electronic equipment <laughs> all the time causing snow and ice to appear at a moment's notice you know, so, you know, yeah, I can see how that might be a problem. But how, how do you have such a normal overall worldscape where a substantial number of people are descended from yokai and all manner of other stuff out there in the open where, oh, the, the ice power is over here. She's a, a kitsune and... Uh, <laughs> Just pops ears in the tail out occasionally, and that guy uh, flames on because he's a phoenix, and that guy is Buddha somehow. We're not really sure what's up with him, but uh, yes, society resembles. This is one of those. Uh, don't think about it too hard. Yeah, yeah, I I agree that it's that if I think about it too hard, it's just going to take me out of it, which is not what I'm going for. Now. I'll give it a reason because the first time he popped out those little mini snowmen, I was trying to decide if those were like a mental uh, flare or actually physical. And then they're established as actually physical, but you know, mm. they just come and go. They don't, uh, and the people interact with them. You don't see them fall to the ground, melt and dying and screaming in their tiny, cute voices. Ah, I'm melting. I'm melting. So, I feel like what's happening is he can uh, create it, but he can also disappear it 
as instantly as he creates it. So it doesn't exist to melt and interfere with electronics and other stuff. Once, once he brings his emotions under control, it just disappears as quickly as it mm. uh, came out. So Yeah, yeah. Although he does so, occasionally make it snow outside for the whole town to enjoy. So. Yeah. The one thing about this series that I haven't seen yet, but I know that we're going to, because I, I've seen her in the opening animation, is that I suspect we're going to get a clingy, annoying little sister character at some point. Certainly, quite possibly. I mean, I see, I see someone in the opening animation who's a younger, who's a younger woman, looks very similar to main character. So I assume that she's related to him in some way, and my instinct tells me that she's going to be one of those annoying clingy characters, which does put me on edge. But I don't think that it's going to be enough to make me stop watching it. I'm pretty, I feel confident no, that this, this is going to be a series that I continue with for the entire rest of the this season. This is a gang of lovable idiots right from the word go. You feel an actual emotional invested interest in them. Amusingly, this was one that I knew I'd check out at some point, but I watched literally after someone on another server was just sort of bad-mouthing things, doing the judging a book by its cover, and he's like, oh, let me guess, this guy has a, an extremely cold personality, and but the sudden love of a co-worker will warm his frozen heart. And then I'm like, nah, man. It, it, in fact, this dude is <laughs> the hugely <laughs> emotional one. Uh, and all of his, uh, you know, ice powers are just incidental uh, hopping around when when that happens. So it's very cute. You want all of the people who like each other to end up with each other, which I'm I'm sure they will. Uh, Kamori-san is uh, great, and we need more of her. But uh, <laughs> she definitely enjoys all the strange situations with her. Yeah. Uh, there were, there were a couple of things throughout the first couple the four, within the first four episodes that again, not enough to make me stop, but definitely gave me pause. Like when main character Himuro gets too warm in Okinawa and, and melts into a little boy and female lead starts fawning over him a little bit, and it's like, okay, all right, that's well, all right. Fuyutsuki san at that point, yeah, she mentions what it's really just about, you know, the moe aspect of it. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, instead of being shorter than him all the time, I'm now taller than him, and oh my god, he's ridiculously cute as a kid, but it's you know, of the Moe protectiveness thing. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah. She's the one who fawns over her cat, so I think basically the appeal would be uh, similar to that of uh, Yamero at that point. Is, isn't my cat delightfully cute? It's like, oh, wow. In, hmm. your, in your vulnerable form. It's... 
amusingly it's sort of implied he's very close to death at that point but again don't think yeah. about it too much but an ice pop is all that's needed to uh to to literally pop back to uh, full form so he better have good air conditioning at his place mm-hmm. it seems so you know and it seems like he has a nice comfortable place to live in that is weather resistant so i do love the aspect of some some of the the things the character connections are simply that they're paying attention to each other and doing things for each other right away and that they're really seeing the other person in a way that you know usually the romantic people just bounce off each other uh emotionally until episode 23 or so when there's a giant confession scene but the Mm -hmm. the big drama at the end of episode one is they're going to go up to okinawa for a business retreat and uh himuro-kun is all oh i'll be very excited and you know i won't be able to control my powers and then futsuki uh is like let me let me get you a wave drum and <laughs> you have a training montage of him wandering around town just with a little ocean wave bead drum making the sound of the ocean the whole time so he can acclimate so when he goes out there he'll be able to control himself more and i'm like that yeah. that's such a weird uh character interconnection especially to have right away but uh it, it's definitely enjoyable in that aspect they're going out to dinner with each other right away and the drama is that they don't they aren't sure how to talk to each other yet not that they're cowards about doing anything with each other which again is fairly normal is the uh uh uh, certain things but she thinks he wouldn't have anything to say to her because she isn't very forthright and he's not saying anything because he's just bouncing excited at being out to dinner with her and then they talk Mm -hmm. about it later it's like oh my god characters who communicate with each other i need more of this office worker involves people who are adults and do adult things with each other it's a whoa (coughs) fascinating so yeah they're they're a lovable gang i will definitely watch this through it would have to be very obnoxious to make me uh abandon watching it to the end yeah this is definitely one like i mentioned earlier that i i think i'm going to continue on with this i don't see any reason for me not to i've been enjoying it way too much our third series it's one that you only watch because it is a sequel and i did not watch any sequels this season so tell us what is going on with those bungo stray dogs <laughs> they're amusingly they're not doing as much of a sequel as you would think there's a, a bit of a conversation about uh things that happened in the dead apple movie at the end or at the end of the other uh season but they quickly go back to okay let let's start talking about how the detective agency was uh 
uh, uh, form to begin with. So you start with the uh, President uh, Fukuzawa at discovering our little child genius detective uh, Erogawa Ranpo, and they start getting into certain things. It's very Ranpo-focused, which I know for some people is kind of annoying, because a lot of people don't really like his character. But it's basically looped into telling how the detective agency is getting together, and we'll... I don't know if it's going to continue in the same format and we'll start drawing in the other characters or not. Uh, but it's season four. It's one of those things. If you've watched the previous three seasons, well, you're going to watch season four. There's no reason to bail before taking it for a test drive. And even if you don't care about things, a lot of times there'll be a particular season that's doing an arc you don't care for, but you go back. I figure if you followed them three seasons and a movie or two in, uh, you're already sold on it, and you've probably already made up your mind. So there's not a whole lot to chat about it. So I'll I'll leave That's that one fair. there. So I, and then getting right into a show that only I watched, and I don't blame you for not get, getting out, for not going out of your way to watch this one. Technoroid Overmind about robot male idols <laughs> trying to win a virtual reality slash American Idol type competition in order to pay their electric bill. Sure, sure. They gotta yeah, because you they know, gotta put on is... a play. One of them will make the curtains, and the other one. Will... So the thing is with this series is legit. I was ready to bail on this by the first episode. Um, the first episode was not great. It was okay. It set up the premise fine, but there wasn't a whole lot there to really pull me in. What saved this series from going on the execution block within one episode was the epilogue to episode one so if you watched episode one thought it was kind of lame and turned it off before the end of the credits you may have missed like a big little a big thing that may that would have may have pulled you in a little bit more um basically what happened is the big twist is that you know they go off they you know, discover the singing competition, discover, you know, hey, our electric bill is about to turn off mm. and we will no longer have the ability to recharge our batteries, uh, effectively killing us. So they go off, they pass the first level of the singing competition, barely. Um, their first attempt is pretty bad, though. But the thing is, is that the epilogue of it has them in a factory uh they they stumble across this drunk guy just out and about uh drunk guy a robot comes up and is like oh we know this guy don't worry we'll take care of him and so they're like oh okay so they leave drunk guy to the care of this one find themselves in a factory somehow i don't remember the specifics and witness drunk guy 
supposedly being quote unquote pushed off a ledge by this rope by this other robot and being killed. And that's actually the subplot of the series is there is that there's an investigation that opens up uh, and a robot detective starts looking into these four, you know, homeless robots who don't have a master, don't have any real programming or skills or anything. So there's an investigation into who they are and what's going on. I've got, you know, I try, I stuck with this as much as I could. <laughs> I wanted to like it more, but after I just, yeah, couldn't do it. Could not do it. I, by the end of the fourth episode, I was just not feeling it anymore. The, the worst part about it is probably their um is the four robots have an ai assistant named elisa who is so creepy yeah. and it's yeah i just, i could not do it the fourth episode has them working in an amusement park to raise money so that they can enter the next level of the singing competition and facing various levels of discrimination against other pe- from other people and it's just yeah this one i have it listed as stalled it's gonna be a long time mm. if ever if i ever go back to this one though so they really stuck in an i robot azimovian robot murder plotline do they have uh laws of robotics that they establish they establish that robots are only capable of doing things that they are told to do. These four are able to run around and do stuff, but they also run into a 13-year-old who had a father who was into robotics, and the 13-year-old decides to start taking care of them and move in with them and handle their upkeep um, and gives them orders and commands to help them get through their daily, their daily lives. But yeah, there's, there was not enough here Mm. for me to just be able to say that, yeah, uh, someday I'm going to go back to this for certain. Maybe, maybe, maybe I will go back to it someday. I have it listed as stalled and not dropped, but I'm going to have to be pretty bored to go to actually go back to this one. Were the songs any good? Not really. Okay. Well, then. Yeah, not really. The songs were not great. The CG dance animation was not great. Oh, man, that drives me off of so much idol fare. Is <laughs> The appeal is supposed to be the dancing and other stuff, but it's always this utterly horrifying uncanny valley uh cg stuff that i i just can't manage uh i really appreciate when one is either in 2d or takes pains to look as not video game as possible which i think a lot of them are just very lazy about because the biggest things in love live and idol mass are really don't try so therefore everyone else is probably like well 
if they're selling in the bajillions, why should we try? I mean, to be fair, the first, like, two seasons of Uno no Prince Sama go out of their way to not look overly CG, but after that, they just threw in the towel. <laughs> Damn it. Ah, so sad. Uh, so yeah, so Technovoid Overmind, like I said, stalled, more than likely will be forgotten within the next three months. What? I've already forgotten it. <laughs> next! So, uh, the next one, I'm just going down the list, um, Sarune, season two. Uh, it seems that this is one that you watched. I am definitely watching. I will definitely continue because our lovely Arrow Boys uh, remain lovely Arrow Boys. If anyone does not know, Tsurune is entirely about uh, Japanese archery, Kudo. Uh, so it's a it's kind of involving a particular character who is getting over and back into the sport, something that he loved in middle school and was overcoming a bit of trauma and inability, and that was much the course of uh, season one. Season two is largely involving, okay, what happens the next time these guys who sort of luck themselves into a regional win at one point uh, start facing against the other teams again? What what will the new dramas be like not understanding the proper way to support your team or <laughs> stuff like that? It is a sports series, but it is much more, I don't want to say tactical, but it feels like that. that that's just the feel of archery in general because it's very slow and methodol methodological <laughs> so so therefore the ways in which they're having drama on the field doesn't have anything to do with high action plays and other stuff it's two teams that are standing next to each other and they're all doing rows of shots and you either miss or you hit well or you hit better uh little bits of you know society and politics in uh, the way that the sport is played but it's it's pure vibing really and it's season two so there's really not much to say I, I was giving a little bit of a push because it's not much to get into where we are now it's uh one one core in a movie and then you're into Ooh. where everything is at right now it's Kyoto Animation. It is friggin' beautiful. Uh, if you like hot guy shoulders, there's a... <laughs> uh, their sensei has, you know, the best hot guy shoulder that you'll ever run across. I'm not sure why that's a thing, but apparently it, it's now a thing. At least because this guy exists. Yeah, I don't know. It's good. Watch it. Hmm. Uh, what do we have up next? Ah, we have one that we both watched. Uh, official title for this one is Tomo-chan is a Girl. So Tomo-chan, tomboy, 
in high school has a crush on her childhood friend, but unfortunately childhood friend sees her as nothing more than a tomboy and refuses to recognize her as a young woman, despite all her best efforts to get her to to get him to recognize her. Um, and shenanigans ensue. To, this to was, be fair, her best efforts are not very good, and that's yeah, kind of yeah. that's where the calm parts of the uh, silly little rom com are coming from. So uh, her character growth is in trying to find uh, her correct level of appeal, and uh, and uh, to get through the level of character denseness that uh, exists for a bunch of these people. So for if this one, I didn't take a whole lot of notes. I tried to, but honestly, I just kept enjoying each episode. I didn't have a lot to say about each episode, but I'm looking at my notes right now, and every other note is, this is adorable, this is cute, this series remains cute, you know, it's just, it's really pleasant. It, and this, I don't like to watch a lot of high school anime these days, but I still get the itch every season to check out, you know, maybe one or two high school series. And this one is really scratching that itch. I would really like to continue this one all the way to the end. I feel confident that I am going to continue this all the way to April, just because, like I said, it's just very cute, very fun. The blonde female character of, I believe, voiced by Sally Amaki, uh, <laughs> is growing on me. She's weird, but in a weirdly charming way. I think Carol is done... I think all of the voices are great, Although Tomo's voice is the most surprising to me because I know her best as Amelia from ReZero. And uh -huh. her her voice in that is I'm like, okay, that's a complete opposite of uh of what she does for, for Tomo. She's also Megamin from Konosuba, so that you can at least understand she does have larger than life wacky vocalisms and that's uh much of what tomo is but i certainly don't picture her as doing the uh you know the the gruff over the top kind of yelly uh, uh tomboy uh but uh gundo's voice actress is great carol's is immensely appropriate for what i know carol to be the whole time I'll uh, I'll point out that I've I was reading the manga as it was airing. No, not that. Uh, it was a four coma, and mm -hmm. it was going on for a number of years. Uh, the author would take occasional breaks, which the community would cry in anguish about because we're just like <laughs> going. It's definitely interesting. I think the anime is fairly straightforward in presentation so this is not giving the uh bochi the rock feel of the adaptation is just spectacular compared to the source which is the mm. source of a lot of the humor but you know there's so much more baked into the anime than in the four coma uh source 
in this, I almost think there's more enjoyability out of the manga of it. Now that may just be that may just be because I'm familiar with it. I've reread it a few times and I've uh, enjoyed it each time. I think the kind of weird situations they get in lead themselves to these kind of idiot deadpan shots and uh you know good gag uh delivery punchlines that take well to the uh forcoma presentation that honestly gets a little bit fluctuating in in how much they have to fill in in the anime or how much the timing gets thrown off because it's not me scanning it's the uh the anime taking time so i might not finish this just because i don't feel the need to it's one of those where i've read the the source i've enjoyed the source if the adaptation isn't strong enough i'll just reread the source i i it's one of those where i may not bother just because i like the manga a lot so we'll we'll sense. find out we'll find out but yeah, Carol's voice is great. Hmm. And everyone should end up in Carol's harem. That that's the way it should be at the end. <laughs> everyone should watch Tolanchant though. Give it give it a shot. If it's not your bag, yeah, can't this be is, stop, it, but it it's it's pretty uh, as stated, it's pretty adorable. And uh it's the kind of thing where if you go for the humor, it'll stick with you the whole run, I think. This next song, this not song series, sure. series is what I was going for. Anyways, uh, this next series, it's one that I was hoping that you would watch because I wanted you to be able to confirm something for me. But now we're just gonna have to wait and see if <laughs> I end up getting angry comments from people telling me how wrong I am about this. I'll... The next series we're going to be talking about is the Samurai, yeah, well, the period action series Revenger. So Revenger starts with a guy who is engaged to be married and is uh, has his father-in-law his future father-in-law they're all very close but then he finds out from his master that his future father-in-law is actually dealing in opium so to keep you know everything safe and keep everyone healthy he kills his future father-in-law only to find out that he's been tricked and that it was actually his master who is dealing in drugs and just wanted to take out uh, someone who would who might stop him from doing so so that's the basic setup and then it goes on from there there's further development so regarding this new party that he ends up joining who's undercover operations involve them taking revenge on anybody who in their dying moments um pull out a gold coin and bite into it. The deeper the bite, the more they know that this person really wanted revenge, and that's how they decide which cases they're going to take on. Hmm. So the problem with this series, and again, 
I may be imagining this. I may just not know what I'm talking about at all, but the character designs were so unoriginal. Like, so many of the main characters look like inserts from other shonen series. Um... I mean, even my even my girlfriend watched the first episode, and with me, just because she happened to be in the room when I had it on, and she was like, and she's like, "Whoa, what's up with evil Sasuke?" All right, and you know, and like little things like that, and then there's another guy later on who looks so much like Chad from Bleach, and like there are just little there's the characters inserted along the way that just they look like freaking inserts from other shonen series and it really bothered me <laughs> um if you happen to watch this if you if you're listening to this you watch this series and you think that i'm just totally wrong about this please leave a comment and let me know i need to know am i wrong about this am i imagining things um if you agree with me great i would love to hear that too but if i'm wrong about this feel free to tell me but yeah like the character designer for this series is a dude named jiro suzuki i don't know i'm looking at his other work he hasn't really done a whole lot um as far as i'm aware let me look at his profile real fast uh it's taking a second to load I'm looking yeah, at the I mean, character key visuals and I can half see what you're talking about, but you know, it's a, <clears throat> it's a period drama. It's drawn more for realism and maturity. So they're not going as out of bounds as, uh, as you normally would for series in general so i can see that uh you're probably more likely to run across people who are sharing that kind of hairstyle or that kind of physique it's sounding like all of them are just kind of samurai e sorts so therefore you're you're gonna get a lot of uh overlap with prior samurai series or certain shonen archetypes as well uh, i mean i don't think it's from looking at them i don't think it's anything that would knock me out of the show yeah i'm not saying that it's like direct plagiarism i'm not accusing anyone of that that's a gohan's thing i am but it's just the looks were very similar <laughs> to other shonen designs and yeah it was enough to take me out quite a bit yeah honestly um, so this is one that i wanted to pick up i just ran out of time because you didn't have it on your will continue to spring so i i was focusing on anything i knew you were continuing to make sure that i caught up with and uh -huh. therefore i missed a couple of the ones that you also watched four of instead of a, a one and done so yeah, no worries, no worries. I mean, this one has the uh, Uro, Uro Butcher at the helm. Gen Uro Butcher yeah, is writing 
and that intrigues me no matter what it is so i will probably yeah and to be fair the writing in the series is good it asks some interesting questions like in episode three there's a character i don't remember who says it but someone asked you know can a samurai stop being a samurai can a killer stop being a killer and that intrigued me and i do so i did enjoy the series i'd enjoyed the slow burn of nature of it but i don't know that i enjoyed it enough that i want to watch it all the way through week to week right away right i may come back to it in the future it's listed as stalled for now um this is one that i'm that I may come back to, um, I may add it to my break glass if bored, uh, <laughs> list. Okay. So, yeah. So I, th- I do think that it'll, the payoff will probably be worth it. I just don't know if I can sit through it week to week right now. Gotcha. Getting into spy classroom. Spy Classroom is one of my one and dones. I have a few of these this season where I watched the first episode and I just knew right away that I was probably not going to enjoy the rest of it. And Spy Classroom was my first one of the season, I believe. Um, I didn't enjoy that within nine minutes. We had a pretty hardcore fan service scene. Uh, before we even really got into, before we even really got into, like, a good setup of the story, that did not sit well with me. Um, it was, the first episode wasn't terrible, but it was far from good. I had, I chuckled a few times, but there was just not enough here for me to continue it. So yeah, this one, I got, I dropped it within a single episode. I've been continuing with it. I'm not current because my my currency <laughs> current currency level went down except for a few shows as I was striving to catch up with uh, watching four of so, so many extra things I probably wouldn't have gotten around to otherwise. Uh, but I did watch uh, at least three or four of it. It's definitely weird. I definitely feel like I'm propelled more by my actual fondness for Princess Principal. And this is one of those where obviously the setup is different, but you have a mostly female-focused super spy group. Uh, (laughs) It's an extended version of uh, Charlie's Angels in some pseudo-wartime kind of past thing, maybe more going on. I'm willing to give it more of a shot. It's definitely quirkier. It's definitely feels like the story and plotting is more challenged. It kind of feels like, uh, sorry, The Source is a light novel, or a light novel series, obviously, I kind of feel like the novels may be less of a stepwise progression into stuff and more of a, okay, here's the setup and here's each new adventure mode and you're just going to get a bunch of three episode arcs in a row where they're going through this thing and then hard cut into the next scenario. 
uh, as opposed to something that's telling a continuous story like Princess Principle does and most other things do. It has that feel. I don't know if it'll keep up with it. Uh, I will. I may not make it through <laughs> by, by any means, but it's weird enough in a direction that I'm at least fine with continuing to figure out if it's got enough to, to hold itself for at least a core. Uh, if it fails, it fails, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, that's, that's how it goes. In conclusion, uh, watch Princess Principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that one, like I said, I didn't have a lot to talk about it because I dropped it after the first episode, which brings us into the second series that I dropped after one episode, Ice Blade Sorcerer. Oh my god. <laughs> I now, now this is one, you have a bunch of uh, one and dones, a lot of them seem to be of the thing, but th this one was a headline of... Everyone has been talking so much shit about this, and I'm like, well, why would I bother? You're yeah, probably about I... to show uh, exactly why, but I was scared off of it by everyone <laughs> insulting it constantly. Well, I mean, it's just, it was so bad. The first episode was just so, like, so generic. So generic, unoriginal. OP self-insert protag, harem elements that aren't clever. There's an up uh, there's an one part where main character Kuhn um manages to bond with his bond with his doormate over their muscles. The magic system makes the students more into like programmers and hackers more than anything else. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the the one thing that this series really had going for it was that there wasn't like a bunch of fan service thrown in. But then I watched the ending animation and was like, okay, well, forget that because that's just a that's just waiting to happen. So yeah, so this was another one where I just within one episode I knew that I was not going to enjoy it and dropped it immediately. And unfortunately for my girlfriend, she caught the brunt mm -hmm. of my, oh my God, this is so terrible. Like rents and rants for the next like two days. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. She, uh, bless her heart for sticking with me. No, if, uh, no matter how many times I brought up how terrible this series was. But yeah, this one was really bad. You did yourself a favor by Ooh. not even bothering with this one. Yeah, yeah, I figured it uh, didn't have much going for it. So, yep. Uh, so, alright, getting into one that appears that you watched and I didn't, Farming Life in Another World. Please tell me about this one, because this is one that I was actually vaguely interested in. I just couldn't get, a, I just didn't get around to watching it. Is this one, is this one any good? Was it clever in any sort of way? Well, it it's hard to say. I'm doing a bit of cover judging by it. 
it's become more challenging over time for me to delve into just the generic isekai setup uh, going in. In this case, a 39-year-old guy who was, uh, you know, betrayed by people close to him, developed a fatal disease, and died uh, in the hospital at a, obviously a young age. And so he gets to meet the deity of, oops, sorry about that, I'll let you reborn into something and you can make a wish while doing so. At obviously a very unique situation and setup, unheard of in uh, uh, Isekai setups before. In this case, he says, I was really enjoying that farming show that the hospital played uh, all the time. So for whatever reason... He wants a simple life with a healthy body, and uh, obviously what you do with that is uh, you you become a farmer. In this case, he is granted effectively a super ability of the ability to summon divine tools of super doing everything quickly. Uh, <laughs> you know, a farming uh, plow, he can just charge through fields. There's an amusing kind of dig-dug moment where he uh, needed to dig a thing, so he's like, I wonder if I can turn this into a shovel, and it does. And then he's like, oh man, I can just excavate. Uh, digs a well, does other stuff. So he's alone in a forest and just kind of doing things. In a way, he's fast-forwarding through the uh, humanity's history with agriculture because he's just uh, planting a few things, building very simple dwellings, <clears throat> saves a uh, pair of uh, wolves, one of whom is pregnant. And so he, imme <laughs> he immediately has domesticated uh, uh, canine pets to go forward with. The first scene of the show, though, is the uh, the glamour shot of showing you the fantasy harem that he's going to eventually end up with. He doesn't meet them immediately, but you know all of them are just going to come across the the entire places. It's a busy, bustling pseudo town where everyone is some level of hot chick appeal character <laughs> uh, who's helping with his particular farming and building endeavors. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I've been experiencing that kind of society construction through uh, Rimuru and, uh, you know, the Reincarnated as a Slime series, and I'm rather enjoying mm. that. And... It's got funky magic and odd superpowers and that it certainly has fan service in it as well, but it's not just a uh, a paint-by-numbers harem thing. And I feel like if there was more interesting presentation as to how he builds up, that might have something that would let me want to watch a few more episodes, but he's just got a super tool. So any scene will involve building the thing that he feels like building at that point. It's not a whole lot of farming. In fact, it's a, a whole lot of uh, 
building dwelling places and other things and and various constructions. I highly doubt it has much to uh, much to offer in this case, especially since they made sure that you knew that all of the uh, elf babes were coming. Or some angel flies in and is like, oh, okay, there's a winged, blonde, uh, big-boobied angel, so I'd, I'd, I'd best wait until she shows up so I know uh, what's going on here. So you have it marked on our spreadsheet as one and probably done. Do you think that's still accurate? So you're going to continue on with a little bit? or This, this was one that I skimmed through. My usual habit has been, you know, chilling somewhere in my bed or something else and using my iPad so I would watch it normally because oftentimes the clients are not good enough for me to fast forward around and do things with. And a large part of that was to take screenshots. Uh, What I found was while I was trying before the podcast to catch up on a few things and check out a few things. I was like, well, I'm on my computer and I'm on high dives, so let me just hit right skip a lot and see what happens here. So I did not experience that. I experienced this as more like 2x speed, something like that. So Mm. in things where I'm saying probably done, I'm like, well, I might skim through another episode to see what happens. Uh, I don't have any real expectations, but I didn't drop it because I've suddenly realized by sitting in front of the computer and just kind of skimming, there are a lot of these things which I can give more of a look because I'm not wasting 22 minutes of my life uh, Mm. with it. Normally, I'm going to a scene, I'm fast forward, oh, he's digging this thing, and all right, well, that's dug, and uh, skip, 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 go along. I'm not getting huge dramatic moments. I'm not getting any good animation <laughs> out of it at all anyway. I'm like, maybe I'll, when this character comes in, I'll see how they're presented and I'll, I'll enjoy character design. But uh, I'm willing to maybe skim through a few things that I would have normally just said, you know what, never mind. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, So getting into... Possibly, I don't know, was this, like, the only, like, pure shoujo series this season? I think it might have been. Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. This is one that we both watched. Sugar Apple... Excuse me. (laughs) Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. That's kind of a mouthful to get through. Um, it's young girl who her lives in a world where fairies are enslaved by humans um and she but she wants to treat fairies as equals despite everyone around her telling her that that's a bad idea and it's just going to cause problems she wants to travel to a faraway town to become a sugar sculptor which apparently is a very big deal um, and along the way, she gets stalked by this dude named Jonas, and I have, like, three notes that simply just read, fuck Jonas. <laughs> um, cause, wow, was he an asshole. Oh, um, but, I'm yeah. I'm not sure th- asshole covers it when he t- steals your 
work and your wagon and tries to get you killed uh, by hurling blood on you while being chased by a pack of wild animals. Now, maybe he expected that Shada Fen Shada would uh, definitely save her, but uh, he certainly didn't go out of his way to not kill her. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, that, that goes a little beyond just a mere asshole. It's like, oh, right, <laughs> murder. Okay. Is, uh, yeah, fra- but... fragile ego. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, this is one... I really enjoyed this one. I really liked the story, the presentation. I was surprised at how bloody the action in the series was. Um, but like the animation and character designs were top notch story within the first four episodes is really well set up. Um, I'm really all, I am very interested to see where this one is going to go. I have full expectation that I'm going to continue this one all the way through to the end. It definitely feels like one of those, Oh, this uh, these four episodes was all of light novel one uh it could have ended here and <laughs> you sometimes get those where the shows are like wait is it over i'm i'm pretty sure there's more but i guess it could be over so it yeah, does have yeah. a a thorough arc uh i agree at being surprised by the level of kind of there's obviously background darkness from the whole oops, uh, subjugated, enslaved entire peoples that uh-huh. makes me nervous that any of it, you know, can be done well, uh, oftentimes, especially in a fantasy settings. It, it's just handled so poorly. Um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so that is definitely a concern that I have for it. Uh, I'm not sure if it feels disjointed with parts that are dissonant with each other. And I'm not sure if that's making it more intriguing for me or if it's more off-putting. It's kind of on a knife's edge at the moment because it may just turn into... I'm I'm looking at the, at the opening and I'm seeing the things and I'm expecting. It's like, oh, here's an actual shoujo. I will have actual shoujo things. And part of it feels a bit like, uh, you know, uh, Yuki Hime and uh, Snow White with the red red hair trying to chase becoming self-sufficient and finding her profession out here in the, uh, you know, service to uh, this nation. Uh, and there's obviously adventures that she goes on. This one is bit weirder of a setup i'm certainly gonna give it another arc uh because i enjoy Anne and shadow enough by the end uh i dislike the fact that you know he's an enslaved looks like an utterly adult uh what was it combat fairy i forget yeah yeah i think that's what it was no explanation as to why some of them are teeny tiny, actual Gouda Gouda fairy sized. <laughs> and some of them are just plain human sized. And it's like, well, I I guess it. 
it's also implied that a bunch of them are for sexy times only. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. uh, you're too pretty to be a combat fairy. Oh, of course, he kicks ass. But the fact that uh, she's starting this as 15 year old and they're obviously implied to have the romance to last the ages is also a bit uh, squicky. So I'm I'm concerned with the uh, how this will present going forward, but it has not uh, kicked me in the brain pan yet. So we'll we'll see yeah. what happens in arc two. Yeah, there there's some squicky parts, but you know, honestly, compared to some of the other stuff that I watched this season, this was pretty tame. Yeah. And it's also, as you say, like the only shojo out there. So you, yeah, you gotta. If you're gonna get any shojo, it's. I don't. I don't know if it's just that there's not much being produced in comparison, but it certainly feels like very little of shojo and Jose gets adapted compared to uh, your seinen and shonen stuff. So when you go a whole season yeah. with only one show, and you're like, surely there's more out there. But uh, who knows? I do have a feeling that there's not a whole lot of light novel shojo sources, though. It, mm. uh, Obviously, I don't have familiarity with a lot of it, but it uh, it feels like it's much more of a manga thing. So maybe maybe some of it just has to do with the frequency of things in the uh, light novel pool that is getting pulled from a lot. So this was a, a fairly old series, actually. It started in 2010, so it's taken a yeah, while yeah. for it to get treated at all, and that. That's sort of what you feel like for a bunch of shoujo when when Fruits Basket came back out of nowhere. It's like, oh wow, that's great, uh, Oran, please. But uh, <laughs> in this case, it's like we, I guess we need a token shoujo. What can you? Is there anything running? No, probably not. Can can you hmm. check light novels from like a decade ago? I found <laughs> one. All right, let's do that. So who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, it went for yeah. seventeen volumes, so I guess it was popular. Yeah. So you think you'll continue on for another arc? I will continue and probably until it drives me out of it. All right, that's fair. Like I said, I I feel confident that I'm going to continue this one to the end. Um, I enjoyed the first arc quite quite much. It satisfied me very much. So I think, and the world building was done well enough that I feel invested. So yeah, I I feel confident about this one. There, there is a tiny being abused fairy that's used in episode one as the introduction to ah, people just own fairies, and this one is just gonna kill the other one for pissing him off, and uh, and uh, saves little fairy and he runs off but then naturally will join her later uh mm-hmm. in the name of mithril lid pod yes yes and you always have to make sure to use the full name never Definitely. just mithril i i think also at one point lord mithril lid pod but i'm not feeling the mm-hmm. lord aspect Definitely one of those obnoxiously voiced characters and amusingly this is uh Rie Takahashi again so Tomo Chad Amelia 
uh, <laughs> Megumin yeah. as the cocky little asshole <laughs> fairy who is uh, uh, very much uh, a loud and obnoxious uh, sort. So I don't know. I I enjoyed the scene where they are at the doctor's place and they have to pay for a night of lodging. And I'm like, oh, there are two people at the table. Surely everyone is a sugar artist in this show. Yeah. And I'm like, they can't meet anyone around there who's not a sugar artisan. And naturally, uh, he he schools them in some fashion when they're trying to make a little art thing and then uh, shows up later to uh, smooth over the fact that uh, Jonas, the uh, best boy ever, uh, has stolen her work and tried to uh, get her killed and uh, so he can become a, a master. It was a competition to be Im- immediately become a master. Shouldn't a competition of complete unknowns be for apprenticeship rather than you're now a master? Mm-hmm. Also, I think the most annoying thing for me was when they're competing uh, for the king in this thing. Uh, Anne, uh, of course, has been forced on this journey because her mother died a few weeks ago and she wants to follow in her mother's footsteps to become a uh, sugar artisan, what, whatever this whole thing is about. Yeah, whatever and it actually bring, is called. Bring sugary delight to uh, to all the people, especially maybe fairies, because they have a uh, a uh, strong reaction to uh, silver sugar constructs. <laughs> but uh, so she's traveling. She hires uh, Shala as a uh, bodyguard to get herself to the city to get to the competition and then lots of things happen and Jonas's betrayal can you guys not make the chapter talk about betrayal in it hmm. if you want me to be surprised that he betrays her at the end of the episode can you not put betrayal into the name of the chapter which you show me <clears throat> at any rate they're at the competition it's it's like a, a football field worth of contenders and tables and the king from afar is just staring out and is like you two the only ones who the plot has had in it so far you are the ones who i want to see the things of like could couldn't we have shown any other people i feel like they didn't get uh much attention these these poor I don't know, dozens of other sugar artisans were like, yeah, nah, piss off. So. <laughs> there are definitely weird parts in the uh, presentation, but uh, we'll we'll see what's going on. She uh, She'll be with her uh, fairy companion for another year and show back up, and I'm sure now is when she'll make all of her friends doing some kind of thing to make a a life out of uh staying around and and living on her own she will surely make a whole bunch all of the other people who are in the op will be friends and then somehow jonas will come back and won't be murdered and i'll be annoyed (laughs) with any luck at least so yeah praying for murder uh Hmm. what what do we got next uh buddy daddies 
So Buddy Daddies is a weird mix between Yakuza's, Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting and Spy Family. <laughs> it's two people, two guys, two adult guys who work as assassins, and while they are out on a mission, they run into a young girl who has no parents, and they decide to adopt her through happenstance. Well, how um, how is it that she doesn't have a father, pray tell? If I recall correctly, uh, father is... Well, I remember mother is like a jaded lounge singer who just doesn't want her. She, she is. Father she's is uh, like... The guy they kill in like episode one. <laughs> yes, yeah. he's crime boss. But the reason <laughs> that there's no father for her to go to is uh, he's the one that they ended up flubbing the mission and being not very secretive about it uh-huh. and just having to go blow away everyone and he was the yeah. uh, guy he he was their primary target uh mm. and so at the time uh kazuki or our main genki daddy uh is protecting her throughout she kind of shows up and is obnoxious and reveals things and uh makes the mission go foul but he's protecting her because she's an adorable four-year-old and while he's an assassin, he's not a monster. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ray kills the crap out of the their target, and they leave, and they have her with, with them, and then they discover that her father was uh, the guy they just killed. So, yeah. Mom's the only hope, and on the mission that, or not mission, but uh, when Kazuki goes to find her, yes, she's a pile of scum. So they don't have a place to drop the adorable Midi off, so they have to keep holding on to her and uh, letting her be adorable until they can figure out how to balance this weird, weird (laughs) assassin, uh, you know, a roommate father concept they got going on. So also it's PA work, so. Yes, yes. Um, this was a series that I was really looking forward to. Uh, PA Works has been on a roll lately. They've really they released like two or three good series last year alone. They did your boy Min. They did uh, Akiba Made War. Neither of which you mentioned in your uh twenty twenty two. Oh, wait, yes. both of which you mentioned. So yes, yes. Uh, Yes, I did. Uh, PA Works has been on a roll. I was really looking forward to this one, particularly because it's an original series, uh, and I've been really digging on those lately. Right. The first episode did a really good job. It put a big, goofy grin on my face. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, But then episodes two through four, not as wild about. Um... I'm not willing to say that I'm going to give up on this series, but the problem that I'm having is that we have Miri, and Miri is a kid. She is very much a kid. She's very kid. I believe the best description would be hyper-precocious. Yes, yes. And the problem is, is that I'm doing my best 
to not do this, mm. but I just can't stop comparing her to Anya. And in any category, Anya wins. And it's just, Miri is just, she's just a little too precocious for me. I just, she's a lot, she's loud, she's hyper, she gets into things. And she, she I mean, can't Anya sit still, so. Well, yeah, but it's just, she she's not as cute about it as some other anime young girls she's and a, she's a bit more obnoxious kid about everything and i understand that's to make the situation for uh what is it mizuki and ray or sorry kazuki uh-huh. and ray be as you know crazy for them as possible but you know they i want to break from it now and then and yeah, the yeah. the only weird break we get from it is they're trying to enroll her in daycare and they're having some problems because they have to forge paperwork and not have her describe them in a horrible uh fashion that makes the the people sus of uh of their relationship but they do get her into one and there's a whole big plot point about the fact that they're you know to make a good impression, you got to wear brand labels and uh, stuff. And so literally it's a group of four-year-olds and she's dressed nicely, but she's still a kid and there's still kid outfits. And literally from the word go, every kid doesn't want to play with her because she'd get, you know, get dirty or something. She doesn't, she doesn't present like them. I'm like, what friggin' four-year-old is going to know the brand labels of the... It would be one thing if the parents were ordering all of their kids to watch out for these people. And it, admittedly, they're presenting as some flashy, humorous uh, dipshit, by and large. But they won't let her play with a ball because, you know, and they don't mention it to why. They're just like, oh, sorry, we can't play with you. But like... Why would they care? Why would she care? She's not f- trying to not get her pants dirty, even if they're nicer than normal. So there, there's a big to-do about that. And the only time she's not hyper-precocious is when she's very depressed because no kids will play with her. And, yeah, uh, or if she's asleep. <laughs> she can know. occasionally be asleep, and that's that's fine as well. Yeah, but other than that, she's just go, 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 go. And it's like, I think I've seen some reviewers talk about this series, and I think a big appeal point for this series is if you're already a parent in real life and you can identify with the struggles that they're going through. But if you're not a parent, it's it's kind of hard to yes. identify with I, what's going on. I'm sure she is much more like a four-year-old than Anya is. But, you know, yeah, that's, exactly. that's the reason why I can work with Anya a lot more. You First of all, you can hear her inner thoughts because uh-huh. she's doing the mind reading and the reaction. She's the only you know, uh, uh, narrator 
that you get otherwise of stuff going on. She's a, a fuel for the comedy rather than a fuel for she's a kid and crazy situations are created for these two assassin guys because they now have a four-year-old in their mix rather than Anya is <laughs> bored and pulls out spy equipment and calls the bad guys and makes fun of them but the, yes, yes. doesn't understand uh, that she'll get captured but then uh, uh, Lloyd comes in and annihilates all of them and uh, saves her in the most badass fashion possible. There's actual feels that I get when Anya is an emotional, you know, four-year-old, which she actually is, even though she's artificially mature because she can hear everyone's thoughts. So there's, uh -huh. there's both interesting juxtaposition and there's... Uh, actual fuel for interesting situations, both comedically and dramatically, which I can get through her, that I can't get through Miri. Uh, and unlike other shows, this isn't focused around how do we raise this child in, a, in this unexpected situation or interact with this child in this unexpected situation. So, for instance, if you're watching Barakamon, there's a, a kid in there, but it's just, you know, some of the weird kids in town interacting with this guy and causing situations. But he's he's not, you know, having to get her food <laughs> and, uh -huh. and figure out how she can poop in his toilet and stuff like that. But uh, in this one, her whole existence is just to make a weird situation uh happen and be stalled as long as possible for the uh for the daddies. So yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna hold out. I also don't know they haven't given the episode count of this one yet, have they? Uh I don't think so. So we we don't know how long they're hopefully sticking it with and we understand that we're not gonna get actual age and character growth. Everything is gonna be focused around can they develop a situation where they can continue to have her as a daughter or what's the ultimate resolution? Do they find some way for her to live a normal, proper, non-endangered child's life uh, without them involved? And that'll be the climax of the show. You're not going to get a whole bunch of growing up and poignant moments in this thing which has child being reared in it, you're just going to have kind of the slapstick set up until they can undo it in in whatever fashion. Extricate themselves from assassinating and be actual daddies or get her to a place where she's not in danger of being killed by, by friggin' uh, John Wick or whatever. There's <laughs> that background super assassin that I'm really... Uh, expecting bad things from in the future so yeah so this one this is one i would like to continue it is on my continuing list i don't know if i'm gonna make it all the way through to the end though we shall find out yeah i will i'm gonna make the attempt but this is one of those shows where it's already on thin ice, and if it gives me one or two bad episodes, I may just let it go for a while.
So the next series is an interesting one on our list because we both only watched one episode, but we have differing opinions on how to proceed from here. And that would be, and I want to make sure I get the full title for this right. Uh, Endo and Kobayashi live, the latest on Sundere Villainous Lizalette. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Lizalette. So- I guess. Yes, there we go. Okay. Um, I only watched one episode of this. It was alright. I didn't hate it. I just didn't feel any real excitement to continue with it. One of the reasons why I'm not continuing on with this, though, is because High Dive still does not have a console app. And you... And it's just a pain in the butt if I'm over at my girlfriend's place to have to plug in my laptop to her TV in order to watch this. So yeah, so it's just too much hassle to watch a show that I'm not overly excited about. Um, You watched the first episode, though. How did you feel about it? The concept is kind of interesting. I like the idea of these two teenagers being able to communicate with the new Otome game that they've picked up and help steer it the way that they want it to go. But, yeah, like I said, it didn't totally sell me. That's kind of why... We'll, we'll give the whole layout in a moment, but that's kind of why I actually want to continue it. There's been a lot of villainessery, and while I will watch anything with more Baccarina in it, uh, <laughs> and I've enjoyed one or two other similar things, the last, you know, villainous and demon lord having a romance instead... I was enjoying enough, but it was one of those that I lost track of and I'm not sure if I'll go back to. So I was not expecting anything from this going in. I was probably expecting, especially with you saying one and done, to actively dislike it or think that it was very similar to, you know, my thing with farming life where, like, it doesn't look like it has much to offer and I... I feel like I know exactly what to expect. And so I was still approaching it in the same way. I was doing a bit of skipping around. High Dive's uh, browser app was very responsive. So I had a few things on High Dive I was going through. It was kind of skipping through. But I, this one I would backtrack on a little bit more. Um, I enjoyed that, you know, it's a pseudo isekai, but it doesn't have the same isekai setup girl who is a fanatic about an Otome game is uh, killed by being crushed under a pile of books or invading traffic jam of truck coons. And so she's reborn into a game that she already knows everything about and uh, manages to, you know, fix it so that, uh, you know, she's the doomed villainess. So therefore she has to make it so she doesn't die. And this one is more like, well, there's just a girl who's really into this game, knows everything about it, has read all of the supplemental material, and she just believes that the villainous is misunderstood. And there's probably a bunch of, you know, wish broadcasting in in there because these two end up being uh, gods in the world. But instead of them being 
sucked into the video game or killed off and reborn into the video game. They just find that, that while they're appreciating the game, what the main romantic uh, guy, obviously not the main character, he's just the primary romance target for our cute pink-haired uh, actual main character. We'll see what happens to her over time. And so because the theory is presented that she's the villainess is actually desperately in love and just doesn't know how to communicate it, and uh, the voice of God is encouraging him to uh, give, her, give her a smooch, we have full action within episode one and a character tie that's like, okay, and they're breaking the confines of the game. They're, you know, the one, the, the uh, guy who's brought in to experiencing the game thinks that there's vo voice engine that is determining uh, new character responses. Uh, I'm not sure how the, the girl doesn't recognize, well, this was never programmed into the game before. What, what's going on here? They don't seem to notice a lot, uh, but the game can't be, like, can't be paused, uh, so it's continuing on. So I am enjoying the kind of pseudo uh, never-ending story aspect to this, where they're experiencing the medium from the outside, but affecting the events on the inside. So there's a bit of a Fushigi Yugi tie to this as well. Uh, there's actual character interaction here. You, you have an actual, you know, thing happening right away. The two main pretty blonde characters are actually uh, realizing that uh, they're, they're cute and they love with each other. And so we're already trying to make it where, well, the, the, the girl who uh, Kobayashi, who knows the game knows that this character will die in every situation. So they can't just go down an arc that she's familiar with. They have to now break the game to save the girl. And in this case, save the actual romance that'll happen. And it's also presented that the the guy who's helping her with the game, Endo, is also in love with Kobayashi, but she's in, you know, your typical oblivious uh, romance heroine. So you're sort of getting two uh, for the price of one because you figure that they'll have an actual shared experience together. I don't know, but the setup is interesting enough that I want to see what they do with it and want to, you know, not skip along now that it's been there. I'm like, okay, what what do you actually have to offer? Uh, I'm not sure that the villainous setup will, you know, it's not a unique one, but the uh, the interaction with it in this case is unique. So I feel like it can possibly be more interesting especially because the perspective isn't one main character inside the game, and you're kind of thinking they're sort of fake people the whole time. In this case, you know they're interacting with a video game, and you have the two parallel worlds side by side, and the other members of the broadcasting club, frankly, look entertaining as well, and have obviously long-suffering uh, opinions about Kobayashi and Endo. So it, it feels like you'll have two levels of weird humor and quirkiness to uh, to be able to account for as well. 
including drama that will surely happen because suddenly they can't play the game at this time because the power goes out and they have to go chasing across town to find a place to load the game back up so they can help this dramatic situation and witness the aftermath. I feel like you're just going to get some weird setups in there as well that will be uh, different than normal. So I want to give it a further shot. I was... I'm not willing to bail on this one. This is the only one that I think surprised me by what I thought it would be going in uh, to what it actually is. So I figure I'll I'll at least give it a further shot. Yeah, let me know how it goes. Um, if it ends up being, you know, as you described, just something different, uh, and it continues to be consistently, you know, different and fun, let me know. I'll go back to it later. Yeah. I don't mind. Um, just what I saw in the first episode, I was already behind on so many other shows, mm. and I just realized that I just didn't have the time or energy to go back and watch it on high dive um i would like to though so if it ends up being interesting let me know i may go back and binge it later yeah sure four shows or so are gonna be shows that we all watch and then after that i'm gonna turn it over to ct to talk about some of the shows that only he watched because he had more stamina than i did and lasted deeper into the season than i did um uh, it's it's not show... it's not actually that it's that those were the things i was watching and then when you dropped your list i'm like oh my god we have so little overlap and i mm-hmm. uh so my stamina was a speed run to catch up on your shows. <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> so, alright, so the next show we are going to be talking about is, and again, I want to make sure I get the full name correct, Chillin, no G, nope. in my 30s after getting fired from the Demon King's army. So, this is one, when I... I've said this before because I've been actually, you know, I'm not anti-etchy. I don't mind perverted in my seri- in my anime. It just needs to not reach a certain level of creepiness. Uh, Chillin' in my 30s was, was really the perfect level of etchy for me. One of my first notes is how much I appreciated that at the four minute mark, they had a golden opportunity to do a panty shot and they chose not to. They didn't do Uh, the panty shot, but you know it happened because uh, the main character goes white, huh? Yeah, exactly. uh, But they didn't explicitly feel the need to do it. You get the etchy backscatter. Exactly. And that was, and the, I appreciated that. And, you know, from there, the series is exactly as the title says. It is a guy in his 30s who gets fired from the demon army because he can't use magic because it turns out, oh, he's a human and he never realized it. Um, but he is massively OP in every other category. Uh, So he becomes an adventurer for this tiny little village in the mountains. He 
meets the village daughter the village keeper's daughter who is very buxom and has cleavage up to her ears which is really pretty much the extent of the fan service of this series we get lots of cleavage shots but other than that there's not really a whole lot more to it which i again i appreciated you know it doesn't i don't always need over-the-top fan service in my series this was the right amount for me um chilling in my 30s overall i really enjoyed this one it follows the same typical formula that we've been seeing a lot over the last few seasons of hero gets fired from his party for unjust reasons and then they realize later on just how awesome he actually is and try to get him to come back without actually admitting that they were wrong. But yeah, this one, it's fun. It's goofy in just the right amount. It's got, you know, decent enough action. It's not an isekai, which is, again, a point in its favor. Um, So yeah, I plan on continuing this one. It's silly fun for 30 minutes a week, and I can totally deal with that. It's uh, it's not an isekai, but it so feels like an isekai setup. Yes, yes. It, I mean, it's so overpowered there. I do, you know, that Monica is challenging for me <laughs> with her. <laughs> yeah, okay. She is desperate to get her bone on with Daryl. I mean, yes, just yes. desperate. Now... I like that he, on the other hand, is, you know, more of the being embarrassed by trying to avoid the situation uh, and not, you know, overly ogling or obviously surrounded by a harem. Technically, he will get other people vying for his love, but it comes from the other uh male adventurer who is uh, <laughs> utter, utterly uh, uh, a cocky individual and just a real piece of shit in the beginning, but then gets saved from a desperate situation and uh, considers uh, Daryl his uh, brother now. So it, it flipped 180 degrees and when Marika in a scene is talking about her husband. Oh, I I mean husband to be. Uh, in the future, he'll be my husband. She's already talking about you know the kids that they should raise in the village. She is. Yeah, she yeah. is far gone. And Gashi does like no. I'll be the one to marry Odisan. I'm like yeah, all right. I guess you know I can understand that. Now one thing there is false advertisement because. Daryl is not chillin' in the slightest. He is a chill individual. He does not become disillusioned, but he immediately joins an adventuring party and slays everything and frees enslaved uh, people from a mithril mine. And uh, he's very involved. He's not chillin' at all. Unless you want to <laughs> say he's so overpowered that all of this is trivial to him, in which case, okay, maybe. And he's being very humble about it. So I feel like my continuing this rides on the strength of Daryl specifically, because I do find him interesting in the 
I, I don't like overpowered protagonist horse shit all the time. And the setup for this guy is just the most overboard to the point where it does get a little bit funny, but it's uh-huh. just he's been in service to the uh, demon army for 32 years. He was uh, raised by a general of the demon army, one of the four generals as a child. And obviously, uh, you know, de- demons look just like humans and are just like humans, except they have uh, magic. So they chant and do all sorts of magic stuff. And Daryl has never exhibited any magic. So when the uh, when the guy who kind of raised him and saved him is gone, the son of that fourth general, who's obviously been utterly dementedly jealous of the attention Daryl has gotten and the success that he's done just rebukes him. The reason he's getting fired is not because he's obnoxious. It's just because basically the boss's son ha- has hated him forever. And so the first chance he yes. has to get rid of him is why he's tossed out. But this leads him to the point where he can discover, oh, wait, I'm actually a human, I guess. And uh, you learn that humans all have aura-based powers uh, which allow them to imbue their weapons or their tools, I suspect, with uh, magical powers. Uh, they all have extremely lame names. It's a very video gamey thing, which again is one of those uh, obnoxious situations of you do this thing and you're granted this random power. And maybe yeah. you'll you'll be good at slice. And it's like, here, use this sword. If you can... Uh, if you can get halfway through that tree after Ori enhancing this sword, that's probably what you have. And he, you know, slices a redwood giant uh, in twain and it falls down. Really surprising, Dad. And then it's like, okay, me, let, let's see about Pierce. Here's his bow and arrow. And uh, he basically fires and destroys the countryside. All four powers of Slash and uh, Pierce and Smash and Defend, he has to a power extent that this 30-year adventure mayor of this town has never experienced before. It's like, oh, okay, so now now that you exist, by the way, you are essentially uh, like five Hercules stacked on top of each other. So uh, he is... He's stupidly overpowered, but he was not because he was a guy who was basically chill in this case. He was just a competent administrator and helpful and uh, an extremely good organizer. He was helping, you know, the the demon army starts to break down because he's not able to do his competent assistance there. And now he's Mm -hmm. helping on the human side and everything he does will be to the advantage of this town and these people here, including defeating mighty uh, creatures that uh, entire adventuring parties couldn't take care of before, and other stuff. It's the kind of setup that usually irks me, and there are some characters who definitely still irk me, but it's going to be the strength of Daryl's presentation that determines whether or not I find it amusing enough to continue to go through. And possibly, quite possibly, but uh, <laughs> it's just 
just one of those fucking things, man. <laughs> like, can yeah, we, can I mean, we get over like this? Said, <laughs> I w- it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if you messaged me one week and were like, no, done. Hmm. I don't want to watch this anymore. But for me, like I said, this scratches my just, you know, stupid itch it's not deep it's not anything entirely original but it's presented in an amusing enough way that yeah i'm i'll i'll probably stick with it to the end i don't know if i would if i would stick with a second season we'll see but for now right now this is scratching an itch. I don't know if it can get one yet. There's only three light novels, so there's not a whole lot of source. Well, I mean, it can still get more in the future. Yeah, yeah. well, yes. But uh, anything can happen. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll see. We will see how I feel about it by the end. Um, I think that, like I said, I'm going to stick with it to the end of the season at least, just because it's fun stupid humor um without being too over the top in the fan service department so yeah i so all right getting into our next romance series which there were quite a few of those this season uh the angel next door spoils me rotten we we haven't done this yet but uh I don't know if I want to stumble over the Japanese literally, I think is amusing and worth note here. Uh, okay. Otonari no Tenchi Sama no Itsun no Ma Nika Dame Ningen ni Sarateta Ken, which is literally the case of the neighborhood angel turning me into a degenerate unaware. Hmm. <laughs> which you get. A little bit of from Angel Next Door spoils me rotten, but I like the uh, the literal turns me into a de- de- degenerate unaware. So, anywho. Angel Next Door spoils me rotten. This is one of the... this. So in this show, we have average, everyday high school coon. Mm. Just... Every man, you know, going about his day, doesn't really give a shit about much. Um, he stumbles across the school idol slash angel uh, just being very sad on a rainy day in a park. And he, you know, gives her an umbrella. He's nice to her for a few minutes and then he goes on with his life. And they kind of discover that, oh, we live next door to each other at an apartment building. And to show him, to repay his kindness, she makes him a meal. And then she discovers that his apartment is filthy and she cleans up and they just kind of start hanging out together, which is fine. Um, the, the thing is with anime in general is anime in general has kind of twisted my brain. I watched this first episode and I kept waiting for some big twist to happen. Like some big plot twist 
was gonna get thrown in along the way. I don't know what. I don't know what I was expecting. But I just kept waiting for some big twist to happen, and it never came. And it's just... Well, that's because you're twisted. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it. my brain has become warped to the point where I can't accept that two people are just hanging out, having a good time with each other, being friends, and no big weird twist or ulterior motive gets introduced. Um, I mean, it's in the background from the setup and the expectations and it being a slice well, of life yeah. rom-com, and you, you know it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, one, but... One, one quick update, though... They have lived next to each other and known each other for a while okay. prior to the series. The umbrella thing is the inciting incident of them actually interacting with each other more than kind of ignoring each other at school. And, okay, uh, that makes so sense. That, yeah, that was the inciting incident. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure about this. Over the episodes, I've become a little bit more. I've softened a bit to it. I've been very resistant because it feels just like such an absurd wish fulfillment uh, thing because, you know, Amane is your brusque, lives alone, uh, misandrist sort. He's got a best friend and his best friend has a girlfriend and those are literally the only two human beings on earth that he wants to interact with he lives in squalor and filth just uh he's fine <laughs> his his uh place is hilariously uh you know downtrodden and that becomes one of the things that brings uh Mahiru in is she's visibly distressed <laughs> that her neighbor is effectively uh one step shy of being you know in the uh living on a street corner in a cardboard box uh voluntarily because he can't cook he doesn't clean uh he just goes to school and comes home but there's enough of an actual connection between them and you know what's coming. But we're also given a bunch of... Mahiru is playing the stereotypical best girl in school. You know, uh, she's obviously uh, the the class goddess, and she tops the scholastic charts, and she's the... Uh, must be seen as sort of a perfect being type. She's... Uh, helpful to everyone uh and there's some psychological darkness underpinning all of this which we're given literally every episode when uh amane mentions something that you would consider a normal thing and she reacts to it coldly or with rejection or saying ah yes it it would be nice if you had a parent call you by your given name it's like what <laughs> so there's a bit of curiosity under there but i'm like i have a feeling that you exist in a weird fantasy land of uh parental neglect of an entirely different kind and uh 
Amane is pulling pulled himself away from his parents voluntarily just because he wanted to live on his own, but obviously has found someone who he likes sharing time and space with. But it it's literally that like the foundation of it is basically kind of a jerk ass, uh, complete life failure, inherits next door goddess who cl- cooks for him daily and cleans for him and uh, shares, uh, uh, you know, his lonely while. And I'm like, yeah, OK, she's benefiting as well, because it seems like her life is also some level of psychological torture that we are not aware of yet. But from the foundation of it, it just feels like a such a cringe setup. And there are plenty of series that lean into that. Uh, so over time, I think I have softened to it because it does feel like it's not going to turn out that way. But it's a steep hill that it started climbing from, uh, you know, the word go. So I don't know, but I'll find out. Yeah, this is another series that's kind of on thin ice with me. It's cute. It's pleasant. I don't have any major issues with it, but I'm also not feeling overly enthused about watching new episodes each week. Um, I watched the I watched up to episode four out of obligation to the podcast mm-hmm. and enjoyed it. Um, I might continue it. We'll see. It seems to be, you know gaining enough popularity that I might want to keep my eye on what's going on with it, but I don't feel overly enthused about it either. This, this has something changed because a couple days ago, four days ago, this was on your list of plan to follow until spring. Yeah. Yeah. It's still on there and I'm still planning oh, on. Okay. But s- similar to some of the other ones, it, it's closer yeah. to drop. Then, uh, yeah, I still want to continue it, and I still plan to continue it, but this is one of those shows where if I get, like, maybe a few episodes behind, and (laughs) I find myself with the option of either marathoning it to catch up, or just letting it go until later. Right. Yeah. Just be a shrug and let go. Yeah. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah, and so, but it's not something that I want to give up on entirely. Even if I let it go for now, I think I'll come back to it at some point. Moving along, we have two more series that we both watched uh, episodes of, and then I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to turn it over to CT. So we're going to skip the, we're going to skip around a little bit. The next series in broadcast order that we both watched was another original called High Card. Yeah. So this this is by Studio Hibari, who is not one that I'm too familiar with. They haven't done a lot, as far as I'm aware. I don't recall. I know they've done other series. I'm having trouble thinking of any, though. Their last series was like Clean Freak Aoyama-kun five years or six years ago. So yeah, they're not called upon too much. 
I feel like they did more things that I'm familiar with earlier on, like Moonlight Mile, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, that, I don't feel like it's a. Uh, I guess they have a subsidiary. One of their subsidiaries is uh, Studio Lurch, and them I'm more familiar with lately. Ah, uh, gotcha. Laplace and well, Classroom of the Elite, which is currently playing that neither of us watched. So, high card, it is magical playing card series, except for it's a lot darker than, say, Cardcaptor Sakura. <laughs> or, well, I guess Wickross is darker, but yeah, not not in this fashion. But yeah, this is magical playing card series. A set of 52 cards have been released you know, through shenanigans into this world. And only one person per card can actually use said card, and it grants them weird powers. One guy is immortal, one guy... Well, he's an immortal ladies' man, I should say. (laughs) But he has to keep eating. Right. (laughs) So, you know, there's that, there's... Lucky lunch man who, oh who had the power. Oh God, what was his power? Uh, he just had the really lucky card. Yeah, that everyone was chasing after in the beginning. So yeah, and then there's the guy who can turn people into marbles. Sure, sure. So yeah, so really weird powers. Our, our main character, whose skin. power is gun. Yes, yes, and then we have main character Kuhn, whose power is he can shoot straight. <laughs> he's a straight shooter. Are you? Yeah. Oh, man. But he's not. So, yeah, I mean, High Card, this is another original series from this season. I was looking forward to it again. By the 2.30 mark, I was already able to tell how silly this series was going to get, and it did not disappoint. Well, the way that I would describe it, it, right, the the beginning of it is extraordinarily like, oh man, what? Because the initial setup makes it seem like an earth-shattering, crazy power situation. Because you have the 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 card and presenter, and someone who summons a million landmines and explodes a thing. It's a, it's very lethal in episode one, and I thought it was just going to be kind of an edge fest. But episode two is like, oh. It's literally Kingsman. Yeah. So, I mean, it's King... It's The funny thing, it's Kingsman the anime, except Kingsman the movie series was already at least half anime. So, (laughs) this is Kingsman with at least 150% uh, anime bullshit going on. Uh, I would say it's mixed with equal parts jojo because all of the cards of course everyone has one they have the stupidest freaking names and just yeah a completely odd assortment of powers and uh obviously a bit of uh you know pokemon or or card captor where their mission is to go take take care of things while collecting the cards that are causing havoc out in the world but yeah, episode two, he's literally brought to a place. It's it's not a suit uh, store, but he's definitely given that uh, the boss is busy uh, 
he, he becomes apprentice to uh, one of the guys. The the boss is saying things that he lacks is like uh, panache. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. They they all belong to a, a boutique, extremely high end uh, car manufacturer called uh, Pinochle. Which yes, is great. I did not know that the car manufacturer um pinochle also did cars but okay <laughs> well yes exactly they they do have that they are a front which does stuff the the suit store for the kingsman was a uh, real it's just they were an organization of crazy people yeah that. yeah i get it they are uh <laughs> they are instead of uh you know in uh in service to the queen, they're in service to the king of their nation. The king's tasking them basically to collect all of these cards. Uh, so as of episode two, though, it's like, oh, it's while there will probably be extra murdery things here and there, it's going to be in the Kingsman way where it's kind of a Looney Tunes sketch version of it. Mm-hmm. So yes, it, it has leaned into extremely non-serious stuff. Uh, especially when uh, best girl Wendy is finally given uh, uh, a scene, she you're wondering what they're gonna make of her. You get a uh, you get a scene with her being you see her at home and she's kind of a, a schlub and at a layabout there and you're like, oh, she's not this cold perfectionist thing as she seems to be on the job. Uh, she has this history with. Uh, the uh, card which summons a sword which he inherited from her father. And I'm, I'm not sure how, because didn't didn't the whole deck exist and got spread out onto the you land know, of the beginning scene? Too, but I was willing to let it go. <laughs> like, may, maybe it happened much further in the past than it sort of implied uh, it is, because they just moved to a scene. But it feels like her, it would have to be her entire life. And the king didn't look like he was a, you know, a teenager <laughs> in the opening scene. So, yeah, maybe it wasn't a full deck. She, uh, they, they weren't playing with a full deck. Yeah! Card punk. <laughs> but when, when there's a dangerous situation where Wendy has to pull out her ace of spades and summon love and peace... Uh, which is her sword uh, uh, to take care of the situation. The sword eventually transforms her into a sentient crazy person who's just going to yes. go after anyone and everyone until the sword is driven from her hand. So it's like, oh, okay. Uh, this is the pile of odd. So I'm uh, due, due to the fact that it's just weird even the the parts of it, you know, the, the visual style is good. Parts of it make me feel uh, a lot like uh, was tickling my brain a moment ago. But the uh, the other uh, the pretender or great pretenders, the other gambling yeah. and conning mm-hmm. focus thing, and then uh, I so I thought it was going in that direction just with more edginess, and then it went in a completely different direction, and now it's jojo kingsman and i'm like all right whatever sure why not no no one can say anything about it so we'll see what happens it's uh 
I do tend to stick with uh, anime original ones that no one knows anything about just to see what happens and uh, see how the community embraces it or not. Uh, PA Works obviously does this a lot. And a number of them are fun enough that I stick with, even if they ultimately don't amount to much and the community doesn't care a whole lot. Like our uh, wacky, wacky Wild Western races across the uh, mm-hmm. United States a few seasons back. but uh, Yeah, but to be fair, Apare Ranman was good. That was a good show. I like. I don't care what anybody. Says. And it had a friggin' banger OP. Yeah, OP. it did. All bangers. So, all right, but getting back into high card, I gotta say, like the first episode was okay. It 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 got my attention. Uh, episodes two and three, my attention started to wane a little bit. It was like it when they started establishing just how weird these powers were gonna get. I my attention started to drift a little bit. Wendy was saving grace of this show. <laughs> if Wendy had not appeared when she did, I probably would have dropped this one. Um, well, that was see here you are you're officially lending credence to uh, it should be a four episode test and not a three episode test because that would yeah be yeah. Wendy was the saving grace of this show, and if I watching to the end means that I just have to sit through, you know, things like Immortal Ladies Man and Lucky Lunchman and shit like that to see more Wendy, screw it, I'll do it. You you do know that Lucky Lunchman died in episode one. Yeah, I know, I know, but I meant like <laughs> characters along those lines. Ah, uh, okay, like the incompetent brother is kidnapping the rich boy who turns out to be their manager yeah yeah exactly I so i but so base so my verdict for this one is i'm i'm gonna continue it you know we'll see maybe maybe it'll turn me off to the point where even the promise of more windy is not enough to get me to keep going <laughs> but far as i'm aware right now I'm willing to stick with this to the end and see where it goes. Sure. So, alright, the last show that you and I both watched episodes of... Uh, let me make sure I got the full title right of this. I need to scroll down a little bit. Uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Reborn to Master the Blade from Hero King to Extraordinary Squire. There you go. Thank you. So, reincarnation series, which is nice. Um, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> not an isekai. So you know that's some. So what, what are you talking about? It's literally an isekai. It's, it's a reincarnation series. He's not in this. He's not. He did go. He went to another world. That's why in the new form you have. It's okay. It's possibly it. the setup is different because you're dealing with an old hero king, as implied by the title, who's lived a huge full life. So you witness him on yes. his deathbed and what he regrets in the end. He's given a boon by the, uh, you know, he's a, uh, I forget what the, 
it's called a divine knight, I think, to the goddess of their realm, and she grants him a boon because of how faithful and effective and excellent a hero king uh, he has been. And his only regret is, you know, I... I loved, you know, what I was able to do and accomplish in your name and take care of people and protect the kingdom and the people. But if I had been able to only spend time training my martial skills instead, I wonder what I could have been. And uh, so he's from a fantasy world filled with magic and gets reborn into another fantasy world filled with magic. So it's a, a, a spin. I got the impression that he wasn't born in a different world. It's the same world, just a different, like enough time has passed it's, that things it's are It's possible different. that it's the same world thousands of years later. And, and indeed, by the end of episode four, you're wondering. Uh, but, uh, you know, as the Divine Knight he was imbued with uh, ether powers and no one wields ether here. They have aura magic and, and a completely mm. different kind of magic and a complete, it feels like, right. It feels like it's either another world or something where the world has changed so much that it doesn't resemble where you came from at all. Yeah. I'm fine with it being either, but come on, people consider Inuyasha uh, an Isekai as well. And that's just, traveling through time but also there's you know magic and monsters yeah uh, i get it but still this is this is reincarnation yeah not isekai i will die on this hill all right but i'm uh, just saying it's it's pretty it's pretty much isekai because he's granted the 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 whole setup boon is the same goddamn thing dies i get it i get i, I get your point i totally get your point and then but dies so, and, and becomes op unbelievably op but but he was a truly you know he's like a 90 year old old dude when he died and he's reborn as yeah. a girl so he will experience life as the op swords uh, master, blade master in the, uh, you know, beautiful girl body at this time. So, uh, you know, that's different. Yes, yes. So, uh, getting into the actual details of this series, the first episode had me pretty locked in. I was enjoying the first episode, especially when he was reborn into the baby form. And within the first few minutes, the baby is trying to go into battle. Baby can shoot magical lasers. You know, I was I was digging on that. I yeah, the, there's a level of you know, I, I knew the OP setup was coming. I wasn't sure to what degree it would be, but I figured extraordinarily overpowered was uh, coming down. Yeah, I was drawn in when Goo Goo Gaga baby uh, saves everyone with yes. the Kamehameha that destroys like a giant dragon just by staring at it. It's like, I should be able to do this, right? Bazap. I'm like, okay, whatever. You just had a baby. Yeah, yeah. You had a baby annihilate Smaug. Fine. What, what else are we up for here? So the first episode 
you know, I was, I was into it. I was having fun with it. Where this series lost me is in episode two, when suddenly we're time skipping to main character being a way too developed 12 year old girl who is getting leered at by dozens of men at this at a party and that creeped me out that i was not a fan of i'm glad that i was able to push through that because episodes three and four were pretty good um they were better at least um especially when they were time skipped a couple of more years ahead i'm kind of hoping we'll get another time skip where they turn you know 18 20 yeah as opposed to writing the 15 year old uh yeah through yeah i'm kind of hoping we get one more time one or two more time skips i also really it's this is random but i really like the ending theme song to this series it's just very sweet and fun um but i mean overall you know, I have my final note for this series is that despite my better judgment, I like this. <laughs> it, I can understand. It's fun. That. It's fun. I enjoy it's fun fantasy OP bullshit. Um, this is another one that I plan on continuing as far as I can. If I end up falling behind, I may end up putting it aside until later, but this is one that I would like to watch weekly as much as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah. I Right, again, the stupidly OP main character, Reborn, yeah, <laughs> Isekai, that reincarnated. I don't really care. Uh, I know, I know. It's, uh, it's a bit tiresome. It's an okay enough spin on it. It's not playing out everything it should be because as much as it makes sense from a, uh, you know, certain things from the perspective of lived an obnoxiously huge life rather than a young adults cut off in their prime and that's when they got re- reborn or literally, you know, someone of the same age and they were a teenager and all they did was redo their uh their childhood to catch back up to their natal age there's something i wish they would lean into it a little more uh as in i feel like some of the interaction aren't there but i can get into the weird morality take that our main character our king he was given the same name right he was uh in- they call me the chris or inglis yeah in- inglis well the the nickname chris i found weird i'm like shouldn't it just be you know like glis as in p- part of it i guess it was uh inglis yukis but yeah uh, gu- gurisu is what is in her name his her name <laughs> that becomes chris and I'm like what well, shouldn't it be nicknamed from you know the actual phonetics of the actual name but whatever don't mm-hmm. matter too much but that was his name as the hero king of silvar uh and She's been fine with becoming, as implied by the title, apprenticed to 
excuse me. Uh, what? Uh, ah, crap. What's? Ron, I don't Ronnie, remember. Ronnie. Rafina. Ronnie. Uh, the other girl of her name, a cousin, maternal cousin uh-huh. of uh, people from this land. And because uh, while Chris is overpowered, it's in a different magical way. So she does not go through the bullshit sorting hat uh, magical yeah. power granting thing. Uh, of this particular world, which which isn't to be given a power of hit and slash, uh, but in this case is just some kind of badge, and it's either you get a normie one or a greater one or a special one, and she's already proven herself to be able to defeat magic-wielding uh, guys as a six-year-old, so everyone's expecting her to get a special whatever thing, and she gets no glyph no power which in their system means she can't become a knight she can't shoot up the ranks she can't become effectively there is no path for her to become the equivalent of a hero king which is exactly what she wants at this point Mm. uh and so there are certain situations where you know all she's doing is looking for a brawl she is literally the most weekly shonen jumpian protagonist possible where it's like i want fight i i am re- both ryu and ken my existence is to find strong people and fight them because that is what i do i fight uh <laughs> that, that's all she's looking to do at this point but she's willing to be uh inquired to rani and help her become you know, the kind of leader the nations need. She has a path to some level of, I don't know, whatever these knights become in the future. It's it's not entirely known, but they're going to a knight academy and they're on a path to becoming some level of leadership role, which is exactly what our hero king turned uh, martial uh, uh, queen, as it were. Uh, doesn't want to do so you get into situations where it's like well this person's um experience you would usually expect their morality to reflect their age and their experience but you can see that chris is taking pains to avoid all of it to the point of allowing detrimental situations to happen because now she will not do that. It's like, I will not open the path for me to repeat what I was before. So it's up to you. I'll back you. I'll I'll destroy whatever powerful crazy person shows up afterward. Uh, so. And that's actually something that I, I like about this series. And that's I like. What, you're right, that's what I meant was that was interesting to me because you usually mm-hmm. expect a certain nobility to come through your noble character. And this one isn't evil. She's just single-minded. And the only thing I care about is fight and protect this person. Yeah. (laughs) That's my personality now. Yeah. And I like that our main character is not main character. She's Squire. So, yeah. And I, so I like that technically, She's supposed to be in the background supporting other main character, but 
she doesn't always do that. Yeah, obviously she's still main character. <laughs> yeah, because so, she know, can I, defeat I, everything. <laughs> but I like I like the balancing act that they're doing with that. We'll see if it keeps up. Yeah, totally. So, alright. Um, we have a few other series that only you watched. Um, everything from Trigun, Inspector, Ifon, Monogatari, not the one that we all know. <laughs> Kubo, Campfire Cooking, Kaina, Fire Hunter. I'm gonna turn you loose. I don't want you to feel like you have to speed through these at all. If you have stuff that you want to say about any of them, please feel free to do so. This is your time to talk about the stuff that you were really interested in. You indulged me for way too long. So, <laughs> yeah. So, if you got anything <clears throat> you want to say about any of these, I'll turn them over, turn it over to you for a while. Uh, we'll work a little backwards. Uh, Kubo-san Won't Let Me Be Invisible is a high school romantic comedy. It does come across as a bit wish fulfillment because you have your uh, completely ordinary schoolboy to the point where no one even notices if he's in class at all. But there's, you know, the cutest girl in the uh, school play pays attention to him and is a beat teasing for him but you get to learn that it's more she's trying to help him stand out and help him get confidence she likes him for whatever reason it probably doesn't matter uh it doesn't go down the you know the path of your teasing master takagi's even though it feels kind of like it's going to from the beginning uh i'm not going to keep up with the anime on this one because the anime adaptation is not much it's this has been in the Jump Plus app, so I've been reading it from the beginning. It's like four chapters from ending, so probably the TV series will incorporate the whole run. It's worth giving a shot and seeing if you like it. Uh, I'm not going to continue, but that's not a statement on the quality of the series. You'll know very quickly if you enjoy it. Uh, the campfire cooking in another world world with my absurd still is, you know, kind of a dopey isekai setup. Uh, you know, he, he's an abused upon salary man, uh, who got reincarnated here. It kind of feels like the shield hero setup in that, uh, everyone else, when they were summoned to be magical heroes, got important magical artifacts and important things to do and he got a uh you know a, a boner and everyone hates him and then he went off on his own this guy isn't here he just comes in and the skill he's given is effectively the power to buy shit from an online supermarket he literally has uh you know amazon as a magical power where he can feed money into it and buy stuff <laughs> but okay. that doesn't let him be a hero in the land so he decides to go forge out on his own and he's just going to travel around and he finds out that what it's mainly handy for is getting you know cooking materials and interesting things so he joins a party and becomes uh their their chef as he's going along 
and the other interesting shtick is when they kill a beast out there on the road, he decides to, you know, purchase a bunch of uh, uh, things to make the meat taste good and everyone really loves it. And he's basically haunted by a legendary beast who uh, has been following along and smells it out and takes a liking to the food here and forces a contract upon our guy to be fed more delicious foodstuffs. Uh, so it's a weird setup. Obviously, I have no real clue where it's going. I'll probably follow it a little bit more, maybe skip it along to see if it's going to do anything interesting. Unlike the farming one, I think it has a quirkier nature to it that might be interesting. But it's another one of those isekai setups that I don't always uh, uh, think has legs. So, who knows. Uh, Kaina and the Great Snow Sea and Fire Hunter are both things that I was looking at from outside just by looking at their descriptions and uh, art style and other stuff. Uh, Kaina and the Great Snow Sea is a polygon picture, so this is an all-CG production, and shockingly, it is one that I can actually handle. Hmm. Uh, the only reason I haven't watched more of it is I made one attempt, but it was late at night and I ended up falling asleep through probably half of it. So every time I've tried to reapproach, I'm like, oh, God, do I want to rewatch episode one so I can watch more? And I just didn't get back to it for a while. And then I had to lean into uh, all of the other series for this podcast. I will definitely get back to it. It is a alternate world or a future world after uh, technology has been effed up. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of the strange world types that you will often get with uh, something like Nausicaa. I don't know the nature of it yet, but it's interesting enough to follow along. Uh, the Fire Hunter is apparently a distant future world where human physiology has weakened so much that people are uh, they're much less healthy, so there's a lot of toxicity that's going on. They're, they're trying to survive. Uh, the quirkiest part of it is they will spontaneously combust in the presence of fire. So... Fire is one of those things that allows civilization to happen. So you're in a world where they've been pursuing an alternate fuel source, and the only way to get it is the blood of demon types there. Uh, so there are people called fire hunters whose sole purpose is to hunt down these fire fiends and harvest their blood so that you can have kind of a steampunkian adjacent uh, industry going on. But the shtick from episode one is that a young girl uh, ends up running across a fire hunter fighting a fire fiend, and she becomes imperiled, and the fire hunter is mortally wounded, saving her. Uh, and uh, his last words are telling her the name of his dog. Apparently for fire hunters, the dog's companions are an intrinsic thing. They're 
scythe that they wield is a big thing. The fire hunters are a big deal, so the fact that she caused one's death requires that she should return the dog and the uh, weapon to the fire hunter's family and sort of show contrition and uh, penance in a way. So she's not received a hero's journey calling. She's a young girl who's forced to leave her home and travel to the capital to fulfill a duty. And uh, at the end of episode one, she's now starting to travel along with sort of a, an accompanying uh, traitor's train, funky little, this is part of the industry thing and the kind of steampunky and sort of thing. It's a couple essentially roving trade markets that are uh, moving along, but they're going to go through territory and it's going to be like a six month journey to get to the capital at least. So she's now accompanying them. I like the art style. It's a very short novel series run, only four in total. So I figure we'll probably get a nice compact story told uh, with things. It's interesting enough. It's an interesting world. I will definitely be pursuing more. And I hope from the description that some people may notice it that had not before. Uh, Mo Ipon, or Ipon again, is cute girls doing cute girls judo in high school. Uh, there's not much to say about it, except if that premise feels like it's interesting to you, then sure. It's a, uh, basically girl sport thing. Uh, one girl is, you know, doing judo in, uh, middle school and... Uh, you know, her final, she's disappointed in her final bout. Uh, they, their team lost and she lost against a, uh, sharp opponent. She wanted to go out with style, but then it's like, okay, well, I never have to do this again anymore. I can, uh, join real clubs in high school. I can study. I can get a boyfriend. I can do normal girl things. Uh, but finds, of course, that the girl who defeated her in her final match is at her high school and is desperately trying to keep the club together uh, and uh, uh, sort of convinces her in a roundabout fashion, the, the best friend of our main character and this new girl, uh, to get her back and realize that, you know, even though it was painful and sweaty and... Uh, and uh, very inconvenient. It was something that she loved and wanted to get back into. And so therefore, it's a building up your team from nothing kind of thing inspired by sports stuff. It, uh, But obviously just girls judo. So not, not unlike many other series, but I think it is, uh, I think it is well handled. So. Uh, what else do we got here? Trigun Stampede Inventor is... and Trigun. Trigun Stampede is probably the thing that uh, would interest more people because it's one of the larger... Okay, out of nowhere, Trigun has been recreated, but it's also not being recreated in, in the normal fashion. It's... Uh, it was picked up by Orange, so again, it's another all-CG venture, 
Orange is the studio that did uh, B Stars and Land of the Lustrous. So uh, this yeah, is- Trigon has been seeming to be a little divisive, and I can understand that. Now I was kind of shocked that you hadn't at least given it a try, but then I looked in and I'm like, oh, you you haven't watched actual Trigon, so I no, find I haven't. A, find that a little bit surprising because it it feels like such an omnipresent thing that uh that you didn't do at all i can understand you know trying it because it's trigon and then saying ah it's not for me and give it up but uh i guess you haven't Just at all never got around to it it's another series from a bygone era that i just didn't get around to i can there are changes that i like that they've done to trigon uh, we have Meryl Strife in there, but we don't have Millie, and they're not, like, insurance agents, which was always a weird premise going on, that this, uh, you know, crusty-ass uh, Western, mostly dead planet would have insurance people running around. Uh, and instead, she's just a journalist, and she's got another guy. Roberto De Niro. Robert De Niro is traveling <laughs> with her. I find him, you know, interesting in general. I miss Millie, and I imagine many people miss Millie because she's adorable, but uh, I can understand the change there. And it's got some legs. The weird thing, though, is Rem and the nature of Vash and Knives and their childhood and all of the sci-fi aspects of it. You you see it in the original Trigun presented throughout and it kind of builds up over time. Uh, you know, his crazy arm and other stuff. All of that is shit that gets revealed like two-thirds of the way in is where you finally understand like the backstory. But this one is mapped around that being literally the opening scene of it is where Vash and Knives are from, who Rem was, what they're doing. So it's definitely trying to tell the story in a different fashion from the leading first with the uh, with the crazy sci-fi aspect of it, rather than the acclimating into it where you think it's, you know, a bit more straightforward, except here's this wacky... Uh, Vosh the Stampede guy going around. So, so far it's interesting. I don't think it will have the overall appeal or legs uh, that the original did. I think it's worth checking out. I think a, a lot of people will indeed be on the negative side of the divisiveness angle. Uh, especially because there's also... I feel like there's comparison limitations with the old CG aspect of it because it's also not done in the way that Beastars and Land of the Lustrous are where they can very much take on a visual style that melds into the 3D CG nature of it and fits with it. This one is still trying to chase an already established look, you know, Nighthouse character designs and what people already know about uh, Trigon as well. They're still, they still have to chase enough of those elements that I think the, uh, the 3D-ness of it is playing against it in many ways. 
it's well handled. They're a good studio. It hasn't driven me nuts, uh, hmm. which a lot of 3D CG things can. So honestly, that's that's two of them where I'm a little shocked that uh, I can actually get through to fully <laughs> 3D CG works. But uh, I'll follow it along and see what happens. And then the last thing that's more of a, I think, me wanting to convince people is uh, Inspector, which uh, season one, wow, my brain is, I feel like it's been way longer than 2020 when it came out. I, I suppose because it was pre-pandemic years. Pre-pandemic. <laughs> my my brain has... Year, yeah, I know. Years lasted like eight exactly. times long. And I mean, that is still three years ago, so I guess that's enough. It just feels like more. Uh, so it's in, it's in season two. It's doing more of the same. The setup is that you have a girl who when she was 10 years old uh was lost and she was discovered at some point later uh missing an eye and missing a leg with no explanation as to what went on the actual explanation is that she traded her eye and um leg effectively to become the goddess of wisdom for yokai in the world. Yokai are a thing, but for the most part, they don't try to haunt humans. They try to avoid them as much as possible. They're afraid of a lot of humans. They're just trying to do their own thing uh, off to the side. And it reflects the nature of, you know, think people thinking of things super as supernatural superstitions uh, instead of a world that's filled with magic and other stuff. So... She tries to, uh, as their goddess of wisdom, she's there to settle quarrels between yokai. She's there to help them when they're in a bad situation. She's there to be their intermediary to the real world in in all forms. Uh, and she's been taking this on for a while, but she ends up falling in love almost instantly with some guy it's just a totally oh man he's totally my type uh hmm. who has been she's been going in into and out of hospital with her uh condition the boy has been going into and out of the hospital because he's visiting a cousin there um and uh, she becomes interested in him right away after meeting him but this dude has a fiance uh, and so a few years pass, and uh, uh, then the setup to series one is basically a few years have passed since she first saw him and has been kind of pseudo-stalking him ever since. <laughs> a little bit. Her interest has always been on high, and she's been looking for an in. And uh, this guy broke up with his fiance, which became the in. But we start to learn the why, and it's because this uh, this guy, Kudo, when he was at the young age of 11, so effectively the same age that she became the goddess of wisdom, he was forced to eat uh, supernatural yokai meat, which gave him powers. 
one of which is Mermaid Flesh, and that plays on the uh, Rumiko Takahashi and all of their folklore, wherein if you're able to eat Mermaid Flesh and survive, you are effectively an immortal. Uh, mm. I forget if there is the, depending on the take, either your head can be chopped off and that'll actually kill you forever, or you're just immortal and can come back from everything. Uh, that's not special enough, though. Uh, the other thing is he was forced to eat the meat of a kudan, which is a yokai I had no knowledge of before this series. It's a weird kind of mutilated cow sort of thing. Uh, and it was said to uh, predict disasters and other things. It had prophetic visions or uh, yeah, prophetic visions and whatever vision it had would definitely come true. The spin that this series takes uh, is that it's kind of a picking a future out of the infinite possibilities of possible futures, it is selecting one, and it's usually a bad thing. Uh, now, thankfully, what the what happens is once the Kudan has made a pro prophetic uh, vision, it dies. So it spends its life doing that. Um, but uh, Kuro can't die, so... He comes, well, sorry, he does die. He just comes back to life. So this has been a thing that the Sakuragawa family, uh, Kuro and his cousin, uh, Rika, who he was visiting in the hospital, were basically being bred towards by their family of, you know, abject evil uh, people over generations in kind of a Bene Gesserit you know, Dune thing. So they, they've been trying to get a f ability to predict and make anything happen machine out of humans who have eaten the uh, meat of a Kudan and a mermaid. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And yokai are terrified of their very existence. So Kudo... Uh, broke up with his fiance because he had an encounter with a yokai. Uh, and, it, you know, it wasn't that he was afraid of it or that his fiance was afraid of it. I mean, she was, but she overreacted in this case to the fact that it was terrified of Kudo and screamed and <laughs> ran away. Uh, she knew about his healing powers as well, instantaneous healing. Uh, so the the whole setup to this series is a weird mystery, romance, supernatural thriller. Because what's going on is Rika is a bit more demented than her cousin is, and she's trying to use her power of immortality and future creating to screw with the balance of, you know, yokiness and supernatural occurrences, uh, which brings her into direct conflict with Kotoko, the goddess of wisdom, who's trying to make everything nice and happy and let everyone exist in their own world properly. Uh, but she has her knight in immortal armor, as it were, of uh, Kudo, so 
what goes on is they get into situations and Kotoko is using her intellect to figure things out or make things happen uh, sometimes with Kudo's abilities, sometimes not. <clears throat> Always with involving the help of a yokai, so a lot of times she appears like she's deducing things, and she's like, no, nah, I just went there and talked to a ghost, and they told me what happened. Which is a weird spin to the uh, uh, mystery aspect of it, because it's not a straightforward mystery, it's something else. Uh, she lies like the Dickens just to make things happen the way that she has decided that it should fall out. So if she thinks it's best for these two people to uh, believe a certain thing, she will <laughs> lie. Uh, she has no compunction. She has almost no straightforward morality to her, which I find hilarious uh one of the things to mention is that her presentation is that of people confuse her with an elementary schooler which kind of gets uh you know may, may involve a squick factor for some people but you know she's the most mature and intelligent person involved in any situation uh she's kind of perverted she's been <laughs> chasing Kuro. She has a biting sense of humor and everything else. I just adore her personality and presentation a lot as a rather uh, you know, completely passive uh, aromantic guy, which is much like Kudo in this case. Uh, she has a very strange appeal so uh <clears throat> I enjoy the adventures that they have. A lot of people can't deal with the pacing of this show, and I can understand that, but I never have any issues with pacing with with shows and slow boils. There are whole episodes where almost no action is going on because you're just wandering around town and guessing about things and talking about things and talking to yokai and make trying to make something happen. And then there is one action scene where someone is killed off because of an escalating supernatural problem. Uh, <laughs> but that was literally it. And then you have two episodes going by where she's fixing the problem. I find it very interesting and, and unique in general. Uh, I know that the manga has been in various services, but since it's Kadansha, I think it's been pulled from a lot of them. Maybe it still exists as a catalog title. Uh, but very few people talk about this at all. Uh, the first ED is great. I just enjoy the, the humor and uh, Kotoko's mannerism. So I've been excited since the end of season one for it to come back. And it has. And it's great. And there's a great weird like mystery arc which just involves the rope. The conceivable romance between a Yukiona and uh, some other guy who finds himself at the center of uh, the murder of his ex-fiance uh, and trying to, you know, 
trying to figure out the mystery and all of the other stuff. And every time it's just such a weird take on what's going on. Because again, Kotoko probably already knows what actually happened and what she's trying to do is make the proper results there, even if she has to lie to people, even if she has to trick the police, anything else. So it's, it's such a weird series overall, and I just enjoy the main character so much. So I really want other people to try it out if they've never seen it at all. There's really no commit. It's a one core season one and season two is currently running. And the Yukiona is very cute. So, uh, hmm. I don't know. Give it a shot. Uh, Kudo, our sedate main character boyfriend guy, is Mamoru Miyano. So, it's hilarious to have such a low-octane version of friggin' Miyano, who is usually all over the map. So, that's that's another thing that amuses me. But, hey, I gave my... I gave my pitch for Inspector. So, uh, do we have any other seasonal shows that we want to talk about before we wrap things up? I don't know. I think we covered everything that we can has watched. Was yeah, there anything... I think so. And we've gone, I think this is our longest podcast ever. We've gone uh, over three hours. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. Well, I mean, I could tell it was going to go pretty long when we were getting around to, you know, Revenger time. And I'm like, oh, it's been like, you know, an hour, 20 minutes and we have only gotten through a third of the list. This is going to push it. But, uh... So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's wrap things up there at this point. Thank you, CT, for indulging me in all the seasonal anime that you ended up watching because i wasn't watching what you were watching (laughs) Um, i thank you for sitting down and chatting with me for over three hours it was a lot of fun as always i gotta thank the audience for putting up with this i was getting there indulging us for this amount of time hopefully it it has been of service uh, and yes, thank you to all of you who are listening right now. Thank you to those of you who have been sticking with us for multiple episodes. Thank you to those of you who are just now discovering us via the magic of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are still working through our backlog of episode of previous episodes. I'm getting those uploaded as fast as possible. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this. Next month, we will be back with our otaku in training format, where it'll be me, CT, and our and three trainees. Now we'll have Bram, uh, well, Bran, uh, Bama, and Brittany joining us to talk okay, about we, Stein. We seriously Day. need a non B newbie, or is that the yeah? <laughs> too too many so, Bs. Uh, And on that note, I hope that you will please hit that like, share, and subscribe button. It does us a world of good. Smash Um, all the buttons. Yes, smash all them buttons, uh, including the little bell thing. Apparently, that's really important. Smash the bells, too. Yeah. Smash them. So, and until we talk again, have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you all soon. Good morning, folks. It's... 
11 minutes past midnight now, so I'm going to turn into a pumpkin. Mm.